We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Is Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers, are they ordinary? Is anybody going to win the NFC South? That and a whole lot more as Nick and I have our top 10 takeaways from week seven. Hey everyone, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by No House Advantage. Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. We uh, had a very interesting week seven. Uh, potential for better games than we had. Seemed like uh, we're going to get a few more high scoring games. We did get them in the afternoon window. Only one such game in the morning, or for me, morning for you, early afternoon window. Nick, what's going on? How was your week seven? Uh, well, the, the Jaguars had an extremely Jaguars loss uh, to yes. the New York Giants. So for like the fourth week in a row, I'm, I'm coming out pretty disappointed. Uh, it was one that you could just see a mile away uh, as soon as Travis Etienne, you know, fumbled oh. essentially onto the on the goal line into the end zone. Uh, nobody beats themselves like the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I'm, I'm still still kind of smarting from that loss. But uh, overall, just another day of completely chaotic football. Right. I mean, you think no way can the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose this game outright to the Carolina Panthers uh, and somehow end up scoring three points on the road against PJ Walker just days after the Panthers trade their franchise player in Christian McCaffrey. I think that now officially supplants last week's loss uh, as the single most surprising uh, takedown of the entire season. Green Bay continues to be in a spiral. I know you mentioned it, Brady and Rogers in the intro. I, I, I don't know if they're cooked necessarily because it's, it's interesting because, you know, Rogers especially will just look horrific for three straight drives and then he'll, you know, roll out and, you know, whip a ball 45 yards downfield uh, for a first down. And you think, okay, you still got it in there, but uh, I don't, I don't know if those quarterbacks are done, but I think both of those teams just look completely out of sorts and completely cooked to me. Yeah. The teams are ordinary. Maybe the, the, and the quarterbacks are not able to able to transcend their issues right now. They're not making Romeo dubs, for instance, there. Let's just jump into that Packers uh, game first Uh, Packers commanders, you know, first, First half, I mean, the Packers are in control. It's 14 to three. They had the defensive touchdown. Aaron Jones got in, you know, you know, we saw Ty- Taylor Henneke look like Tyler Henneke, you know, from last year where he made some baffling plays, including against the Packers last year. If you recall last year, Henneke against the Packers was one of those where he became a meme. He became the guy that we were all kind of mocking. Mm-hmm. And he was that for a half. I mean, you know, there was, I, you know, search, the, you know, timelines for Sam Howell. 
comments there. You'll see them. They're out there. I, I might have made one. Um, yeah. yeah, but, you know, I, I, I really think uh, that part still might not be great for Washington. But let's stay on the Packers side first because this offense, ugh, this is this is they weren't able to run the ball at all. 12 carries, 38 yards. The fact mm-hmm. that they, AJ only got four carries to begin with there. Uh, shows how how little they're committed to running the ball. Yep. Um, their offensive line's kind of not great right now, too. Uh, they, they get a lot of problems right now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just the box score, you'll see Aaron Rodgers did not take a sack. Uh, so it wasn't nearly as disastrous as last week where it felt like he was being hit left and right yep. by that Jets defensive line. But, you know, Rodgers was making a point to get the ball out early. That's been something that yeah. has kind of plagued him all season. Like I, I, on paper, that sounds like a good thing, right? You know, it's like you're getting the ball out right away. You're not taking sacks, but you know, there's, there's no big play potential whatsoever with this green Bay offense. And part of it is, I, I think Rodgers, you know, whether the offensive line is good on a given day or not, I, I think he's still in the back of his mind, doesn't trust that offensive line. And it leads to a lot of quick throws. It leads to, uh, you know, it's it's second and nine and you're, you're doing a quick swing pass to Robert Tunyon. OK, yeah, you catch it for two yards, but now you're facing a third and long. And this is a team that did not convert a single third down all day against the Washington Commanders. And, you know, yet again, for the third straight week, it felt like it was a game that the Packers got off to a pretty good start. You know, they were in control. They're leading 14 to three. They had a pick six. Um, and then, you know, they, they allow this long touchdown drive. And even after that, you know, it looks like they're about to get a fumble six. That's called back on a, a very questionable uh, defensive holding call on Eric Stokes. And, and it felt like Green Bay, you know, it, it, I think they thought they had like won the game, you know, when they got that defensive touchdown, all of a sudden it's called back and, you know, they don't even end up allowing a score on the drive. Washington misses a field goal, but that really to me felt like the inflection point of the game where, where Green Bay, um, you know, it, it wasn't the type of punches that they've taken in recent weeks, but it, it felt like, you know, there was kind of the emotional high uh, of thinking you have that defensive touchdown, getting it taken off the board and then after that, the defense just kind of lost its juice the rest of the afternoon, and it was a slow bleed out. Uh, I saw the same thing that you did about Heineke. You know, there were a lot of calls early on, a couple early punts, early three and outs for Washington. There was a lot of like, can Sam Howell really be worse than this? Uh, but Taylor Heineke outplayed Aaron Rodgers on balance in this game. He was willing to make the big throws. He had a couple yeah. of huge ones to Terry McLaurin. Terry McLaurin, I think, was the most important offensive player uh, in this entire game. He, he, he had three plays where he beat Jair Alexander one-on-one Alexander had an awful awful afternoon you know after the game he's still saying why well, I, I know I'm the best it doesn't really matter Jair Alexander almost single-handedly cost the Packers this game it was it was another rough one yeah uh it's a weird weird flex uh after yeah, you exactly. get beat like that but uh and, and there was a one instance there there was that you know they're you know the Packers are desperately trying to get the ball back and McLaurin just beat Alexander the ball you know mm-hmm. they he w- had the want more to get that first down and that kept yep. kept them on the field a little bit longer just you know bad you know it, it was you know bad timing for that but you know it was interesting to see that Heineke unlocked McLaurin unlike uh you know Carson Wentz earlier this year this is the first game where they they made McLaurin kind of a, a priority right right and I, I mean I, I kind of joked with some friends this week that like hey I'm a little more scared of this commander's team with Taylor Heineke than I am with Carson Wentz and I, I think we've seen that now a few times around the league. I think you could say the same thing this past week about PJ Walker versus Baker Mayfield. It's like, yeah, on paper, maybe they're not really any better. And, you know, with Walker, there might be a lower floor, but uh, just, just sometimes mixing it up and, and having, you know, stalling essentially for six straight weeks with Carson Wentz and just having somebody who's willing to throw it up there. Yeah. Taylor Heineke might throw a pick or two that, you know, the Packers had a couple dropped interceptions 
in this game, but at least he's just willing to throw it up there and let his yeah. receivers make plays. And that's exactly what Terry McLaurin did. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they're better off with Heineke in the long run. I think the mistakes will kind of yeah have, have you know take 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 root. I mean, we saw it. Uh, we saw it last year. He gets exposed. Exactly. Um, Exactly. That's the thing with Heideki is like he's he's there's not that like what if potential because we right. saw it for most of last season. Like it, it is what it is. Yeah. We also saw Antonio Gibson get unlocked a little bit mm-hmm. too. Like, oh yes, we have this player who's actually really good. Maybe we should give him some touches. He got 13 touches, 10 carries, 5.9 yards per carry, a lot more than the Brian Robinson cloud of dust uh, work there. Uh and then three touch three three catches, including the touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more of that. Definitely. He, he is a playmaker. He needs to be out there. He needs to be involved in this offense. And we saw that there. Robinson was 20 for 73. He had one 24-yard run. But, I mean, he was mostly just kind of grinding. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it was three yards every time. Um, you know, I, and he, he's fine. He's just, I think Gibson's got a, a side to him that Robinson just mm-hmm. doesn't have. Yeah, you've been on this corner for a while, and, and you're right. He certainly passed the eye test more than Robinson did in this game, the snap count was almost even Robinson, 35 Gibson, 29, uh, you know, Gibson, of course, a little more involved uh, in the passing game and those type of situations. But uh, I mean, both, both guys, I think did a great job kind of grinding down that Packers defense, especially Robinson late in the game. And that's, that's been the story for this defense. I, I think, yeah. you know, they've had a lot of hot starts and then when they need to get off the field, they cannot get off the field. They allowed a 16 play drive that took up, you know, almost the entire third quarter. In this game, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's a game where Green Bay needs to score. And, you know, all of a sudden there's like 10 minutes left in the game. And you're like, where did all the time go? Well, it was when you allowed Washington to convert like five straight third downs uh, and not get off the field. And then right after that, a nine play drive. And then Washington ends up icing the game with an eight play drive. So just the inability uh, to force, it doesn't even have to be a three and out. But, you know, this defense can't even force five and out, six and out, seven and outs uh, in the second half. So. Uh, I, I think Green Bay is done officially as a contender. Um, you know, maybe they find a way to sneak in as a wild card just because of the overall weakness of the NFC. But um, I, I don't think there's any trade or acquisition that can really salvage anything here. Not DJ Moore. I don't know. I don't think so. I, I don't. I think this team has bigger issues. Uh, yeah, I, we'll see. I mean, maybe. It, I, I don't know because, like, do you do you think if you if you like replace you know Devonte Adams, you put him back on this roster? are all their problems solved? I don't know. They just, they seem like a team that has more than just, we need a talented receiver. I, I think that like, I almost have more questions about the defense and how they haven't been able to lean on that because you see a team like Denver. I mean, Denver's struggling just as much, if not more on offense, but the defense is still playing well, still keeping them in games. Yeah. And I, I thought Green Bay's defense would be close to that level. I really did this year. And I, I think it's just kind of the fact that they seem to come and go with the offense to me is really concerning. Well, I, I think part of it is they're just on the field a lot more. 47 yeah, plays true. by the Packers, 72 by the Commanders. You know, yeah. Some of that is in the Commanders converting those third downs and the Packers not. The Packers ran it 12 times. Yep. I mean, just Crazy. 12. How many I, times? How many times are we going to go through this? We talked about it the last three weeks. We've had this exact same conversation yeah. where Matt LaFleur goes to the podium and says, look, you know, we got to get our, our best playmakers the ball. Yeah, they just don't do it. They don't commit to it. And this wasn't a game where they, you know, they were trailing for for a decent amount of the second half. But it wasn't, it wasn't like you're down three touchdowns and you just can't run because you, you're so worried about time. Like, there's still the the play calling completely belies you know the the comments right. from from Rogers and the coaching staff every week. Nine for sixty nine and penalties too, and that might have had yep. something to do with it. Yeah, some really really bad ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, at least Jones got it got there in the passing game. He had nine catches. 10 targets, 53 yep. yards, of course, the two touchdowns. 
he is their playmaker. You could see uh, Rodgers getting ticked off at dubs at one point. Goes, oh, yeah. What the F are you doing? I think you ran the wrong route. Yep. Uh, only four targets for dubs and didn't catch any of them. Uh, they had Sammy Watkins back. Yay. Um, Alan Lazard got banged up in this one. Uh, came back, but he didn't get a target after he came back. So something to watch mm-hmm. for in practice this week. He's been on the injury list almost every single week, too. Yep. Yeah, you mentioned Dubs 0 for 4 on those targets. Two of them were drops. One of them was a really bad drop on a fourth and one that they absolutely needed in the fourth quarter. And, you know, it wasn't the easiest catch in the world, but it was a very, very catchable ball that a good receiver uh, to play that they make. And then Mm -hmm. he didn't. So I think... Yeah, I mean, it, that that's one that's just you knew that we were going to get that shot from the Fox crew of Rogers. Oh, yeah. You know, stra- unstrapping the chin strap, you know, shaking his head, mouthing something. And of course, we got it. Yep, of course. Of course. Yep. So, uh, yeah. And then, so we talked uh, about one aging quarterback struggling. Let's go back. We'll, we'll get, get, dig mm-hmm. into this uh, Panthers and Buccaneers game. I did not see the Bucs getting shut out until the fourth quarter in this one. I did not. I mean, they got in the red zone once all day. Crazy. Punt, 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 punt. Tom Brady threw it 49 times, 5.9 yards per attempt. Uh, this is a team that did, you know, couldn't run the ball. Fournette, 8 for 19 against Carolina. I did not. Another thing, I was like, wow. And then, meanwhile, Carolina ran all over the Bucks. I really didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. But I think it's true. The Bucks are not what we think they are in terms of like a run defense. And this has been, you know, and this isn't the first time this has happened this year. But for Carolina to be able to do that with Deonta Foreman and Chuba Hubbard really speaks volumes. Yeah, this was, I mean, this is an all time letdown spot yep. for sure. I think they're the first team since I want to say it was the Steelers in like 08 or 09 to lose back to back games as a double digit favorite. I mean, it's literally something that happens like once every 10 to 15 years. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it's, they're, they're in full on panic mode. I, I think as bad as the Packers look, uh, Tampa Bay has been maybe worse uh, I mean, just in terms of the lack of scoring. And I, I think they have significantly better talent at receiver, certainly than Green Bay does. So I think that makes it a bit more concerning. You know, the one thing you could fall back on if you're Tampa Bay is you're somehow still in first place in your division. They're, they're going to win the NFC South. I, I just I don't see this going you know so far that they end up you know ceding that to Atlanta or New Orleans. Uh, so they're still in a good spot, I think, long term. They have a much longer runway than Green Bay as far as being able to figure this thing out. But it's very similar to the Packers where you watch and you say, like, I, I don't really it's not just one thing. You know, everything seems broken. Uh, you know, that the talent is there. You got like Mike Evans dropping what would have been like a 75 yard touchdown on the yeah. first series of the game. That that to me, it felt like, you know, if he makes that catch and walks in and they're up seven, nothing, I think this game goes completely differently. But I, I think that kind of cast a pall over that entire offense and they were just never able to bounce back from that. I mean, how can we be seven weeks into the year and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have scored more than 21 points one time all year. And it was in a loss to the chiefs where, you know, they were just hucking the ball around because they were down big. I mean, this, yep. this offense is in complete shambles right now. And much like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady's getting the ball out quick. He's not getting sacked, but they're not productive throws. They're, they're it's no. just, he's kind of throwing it just to throw it. And it, it, it really doesn't seem like they come into these games with a plan. No, they're one. The one sack that he took yesterday was a big one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, 14 yarder and just the, the, the timing, uh, you know, putting him out of field goal position, you know, not even close actually, uh, that, that was, that was a crusher. Um, and both green Bay and, and Tampa gets harder this week. Green mm-hmm. Bay has to go to Buffalo. Yep. I think that's the Sunday night game. Tampa is hosting the Thursday night game against Baltimore. No time to turn this around. I mean, we're, this is this is really tough spot for both teams. 
Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, as of right now, uh, has never been a double-digit dog in his career. They are a double-digit dog in that game. I, I mean, hard to imagine <laughs> that, that Green Bay finds a way to do anything against mm-hmm. Buffalo. Although, you know, you could say the same thing. That's what we thought about Carolina against Tampa Bay. So maybe the way that this season has gone, Green Bay is going to go in and, and win at Buffalo. Uh, but, I mean, they're, they're they're in a position to just get absolutely smacked, right? I mean, there, there's a yeah. world in which that game is like 41-3 to Buffalo, and, and that's the official death knell for this Packers season. I mean, I, I don't know how you could have any faith in Green Bay getting it turned around. Uh, they just emerged from their easiest part of their schedule, right? I mean, you got the, the Bailey Zappi Patriots, the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders in four straight weeks. And you come out of that stretch one and three with the only Barely. win being a, yeah, yeah, yeah. escaping by the skin of your teeth at home in overtime against the Pats third quarterback. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, this is as bad as, it's, it's, as it could, could possibly be, I think, for Green Bay. I was talking with some Packers fans, friends about like, is LaFleur's job potentially in danger? Like it's gotten that bad. I don't think it really is, but it's the, the product is so horrendous that you, you almost have to wonder if there's like some sort of house cleaning needs to be done. And I don't think we see that in Tampa Bay. Like I said, I think they have enough of a grip on that division, which is just so, so bad uh, that they'll end up kind of, you know, limping their way uh, to, to a playoff spot. But yeah, man, I mean, 28 targets for Evans and Godwin for like 135 yards, just Crazy numbers week to week for this Buccaneers offense. Right, right. Um, it, it is. It's it's really crazy. Um, I think that the Saints could still give them a challenge, but the fact that they went in and beat the Saints, I mean, that helps mm-hmm. uh, for their sake. But, you know, Carolina's won two home games in division now. Um, I think on the Carolina side, it, it reinforces the lesson we have to learn every year. Players do not uh, punt. Coaches do not punt. Exactly. They don't tank, I should say. Front offices tank, but players do not. Coaches don't do not. They're all playing for their next job, their next paycheck, mm-hmm. or to be, you know, that you know, they have pride. It's not even that. It's just, you know, you can't go half halfway. They're gonna play, they play. Deonta Foreman was just awesome mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, he had the 60-yard run, but even if you take that away, he still was running really well. Chuba Hubbard looked good, even Chuba Hubbard never never looks good. Um, it's almost like there's this big weight off their shoulders in a way, like, okay, well. We have a we don't have Matt Rule holding us down. We don't have to look over our shoulder for McCaffrey to save us. This is us doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, mean, I don't think that I don't think the McCaffrey, they're better off without him. But at the same time, these guys know they have the job and they, they took advantage of it. There, even DJ Moore. There's hope yeah. for DJ Moore. Yay! Yeah, that that might be the most unlikely thing about this entire game is not the Panthers winning by 18. Uh, as double-digit dogs, but DJ Moore, seven for 69 mm-hmm. and a touchdown. He looked fantastic in this game at a couple of really high degree of difficulty catches, including that touchdown. Yeah, uh, yeah PJ Walker was dealing, man. If you, if you just kind of did a blind resume and said, which of these guys is the best quarterback of all time right. in this game, you'd be like, obviously it's PJ Walker. He was throwing dime after dime after dime in this game, looked way more confident uh, than he did against the Rams when they just came out with such a limited game plan. So um, yeah, I mean, Tampa certainly in trouble after this, but interested to see what Carolina does now uh, showing some friskiness that they're at Atlanta next week. I think two teams that in terms of overall talent really aren't all that different. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Carolina, um, you know, I, I think they're probably in the driver's seat to, to finish with the worst record in the league at this point or be in that conversation. But I, I think I think they're kind of buying in on, on what this team can be, uh, you know, post McCaffrey. Yeah. PJ Walker, I think they made it pretty clear he's earned another start. Yeah. Um, he was 16 and 22. They didn't turn the ball over. That's the thing. They they gave no short fields to Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay had to earn it and they couldn't earn it. 
Uh, it's just remarkable. The defense just roared up there. Right? And the defense has had their other moments this season. The defense won that game against the Saints. Remember, they had the defensive touchdown on that one. They they caused all sorts of problems for the Rams the week before. It's just the offense has been so pathetic and actually and having all these bad turnovers and, and creating these short fields, that was the mm-hmm. big problem for the defense. The defense has been fine all year, yeah. uh, but the offense, whew, uh, it, it's been something pretty ugly there. But Walker will get another start, and he's going to – it's a good start. It was early – earlier in the year, it was – you didn't want to face the Atlanta pass defense, but – Casey Hayward's on the IR. AJ Terrell, Terrell got hurt yesterday. They're they're hurting uh, in the, the the secondary right now. We'll talk more about Atlanta in a second. Uh, anything else from Tampa Bay, uh, Carolina? Before we move on, no, not too much. I mean, you said it with the defense, big time bend but not break effort by the Panthers mm-hmm. defense. You know, the, the Buccaneers. This has really been something that's plagued them all years. They they drive deep into opponent territory, and this happened three or four times in the second half of this game where you kept thinking, all right, if they can get a touchdown on the board, you know, they could make this interesting. And routinely, they would get all the way down to like the Carolina 20, 25-yard line and just couldn't convert third and shorts over and over and over. It, you know, they went out on downs a couple times. They settled for a field goal uh, late in the game, which at that point, I, I think they should have just gone for it. But yeah, the, the Carolina defense, like you said, I think they've kind of been lumped into this disaster of a season, but they've, they've been pretty good. Yeah, 100%. All right. This podcast and all of our football podcasts this season are brought to you by No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house, and 20 times your entry if you hit on all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. You can sign up now with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out no house advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. We are breaking down week seven here. Nick Whalen, Jeff Erickson here. We're looking at everything that happened. Let's talk happy places here. I teased it a little bit talking about Atlanta. Bengals rolled at home against the Falcons yesterday and it started right away. Four plays in, they're up seven, nothing already. Tyler Boyd hit the big play. And the big key of this game is that the you know Joe Burrow just was hardly touched early on, and he just converted and converted and converted again. They lost A.J. Terrell. They had already lost Casey Hayward. That secondary was all exposed, and Burrow time and again found guys open. It was pitch and cash for a lot of this game. Yeah, it really was. And I, you know, my two biggest regrets of the week at Fantasy were I, I grabbed Yate Foreman, uh, like a week or two ago in pretty much every league. Didn't start him anywhere. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't feel quite good about that matchup. And I also have Tyler Boyd in a lot of leagues. And I, I think I only started him in one. So left a lot of points on the table there. I mean, he had essentially like a 30-point day uh, in PPR formats. He was fantastic. Eight for 155. Jamar Chase, back-to-back big weeks. Kind of starting to feel like last year where when, when he picks up steam, you know, it, it would feel like he'd rip off three or four of those big games in a row. Uh, so you love to see that uh, if you're the Bengals. And I mean, if we were on Joe Burrow potentially breaking the single game passing record watch 
for parts of this game. I mean, he was like, he was well over over like 300, 300 at halftime. Half. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was unbelievable. Some of the big plays uh, that this offense was, was ripping off. And I mean, credit to Atlanta for, for finding a way. I think they got a field goal just before halftime. Like this wasn't, it wasn't completely lopsided. You know, it was only 11 point game at halftime. And it felt like the Bengals were scoring at will at that point, but you know, credit to Cincinnati for, for tacking on another touchdown in the third quarter and then just kind of running things out in the fourth. This is a Cincinnati offense. I, I, th- I thought we would see earlier on yeah. and, you know, it's taken almost halfway into the season, but this is, these are the type of games that we saw from Cincinnati down the stretch last year into the postseason. I hope this is who they could be going forward. Uh, they're still, uh, they're like one of the three offenses. I think, you know, week to week that nobody wants to see. Kansas City is on that list. Buffalo is on that list and, and probably Philly as well. So maybe there are four, but I mean, yeah. this team is as explosive as any uh, when they get it rolling. Yeah, they are. Uh, they really are. And uh, it was rolling yesterday. They almost had, at one point, they had three players over 100 yards receiving. Higgins had a catch late that was turned over, was ruled out of, uh, he had, that he, he had a mm-hmm. little slight juggle. Otherwise, he would have been over 100 yards, but it had all three receivers over 100 yards. Chase limped off at one point because he was dealing with a hip issue during the week. He was, he was taken off the injury list by Friday. Watch for that. Uh, now, keep in mind, they don't play until Monday, so we won't know until Thursday's practice to see what happens with that. That'll be their first practice this week. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to find a negative, if you're trying to pick nits, it's the fact that Joe Mixon still isn't getting unlocked. Longest run was 11 yards, 17 for 58. They go to him on first down a lot, and it's mm-hmm. always – very predictable into the pile. It's like, Oh, just don't even bother. I mean, it's just, I understand you got to have some balance in life. You got to do that a little bit, but it it makes play action work for instance, a lot better, but yeah, it's just, it's just not working. It's just not clicking. And this is a bad Falcons defense. I mean, they're by some metrics, the worst defense in the league. They're, you know, bottom five, especially against the past. They're terrible, but they're, uh, you know, they're 27th against the run, even factoring in this past game. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's concerning. I mean, it feels like Joe Mixon has like these 17 for 58 games every single week. And we keep saying, well, it's good that the volume is there. Unlike the Packers, you know, they're not going away from him. They are force feeding him, but uh, yeah, it's starting to feel really redundant and, and really predictable. And I, I don't have nearly as much faith that that's going to click and come around at some point in the season as we did with this passing game. And I think we kind of saw at some points, they're like, all right, we're just going to let, you know, we're going to just have Joe Burrow drop back and air it out. You know, like we were committed to uh, trying to establish the run, but I thought early in this game, they got away from that. They went back to Joe Mixon very heavily on that last drive. I mean, they, they put together a yeah. 17 play, uh, almost nine minute drive to run out the clock in this game. Didn't even end up scoring on that drive. So that was kind of a big part of, of why the, the scoring slowed down. I mean, they, they ate up almost the entire fourth quarter, um, you know, just kind of trying to run things out. But at, at, at halftime, this had the feel of a game that it's like Cincinnati could score as many points as it wants. Yeah. Uh, it was right before the end of the second half, uh, I mean, second quarter, that's when Chase limped off and they mm-hmm. punted that one time. Had the big punt return that led to a, you know, led to a, uh, that last field goal. But even at, you know, that was after they hit and they had one big play to Demir Bird for 75 yards. By the way, he got that one target. That's all they got. Uh, yep. On the Atlanta side, a lot of yelling and screaming on on Twitter to, uh, yesterday about this. Matt, Marcus Mariota threw the ball 13 times. He got sacked three times, so that's part of it there. And he other times he had to scramble. They didn't count his sacks. He ran the ball six times. But 
I mean, they they don't they were down twenty one nothing and they ground out this long drive. Now the fact I, I I actually didn't have a problem with that because they they got a scoring touchdown drive. I mean, it took a long time, but mm-hmm. you know that got them to twenty one seven. You're like okay, and then the Bengals went boom right back twenty eight seven. And you know after that, there was no sense of urgency from Atlanta. They just no, yeah, they couldn't do it. And part of this is give credit to the Bengals defense. They haven't allowed a second half touchdown all season long. Um, so in, in the third quarter in particular, they're very stingy and it's been working really well. So that has something to do with it there, but Drake London had one target one. Uh, that's, I mean, it's, that's inexcusable. It's inexcusable, but it's also the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, you know, they've, they've kind of been doing this with, with Kyle Pitts as well. And now it feels like Drake London is heading down that same path. I mean, we're a few weeks removed from Drake London looking like maybe the best of all these rookie receivers. He was the favorite to take home offensive rookie of the year for a while. And that's just, yeah, that's fallen off these last few weeks. And Atlanta remains, like you said, they're committed to, to this kind of ground game. They don't like airing it out, even in a game where they're trailing big. Um, you know, we, we didn't really see uh, Atlanta get too aggressive. I mean, 13 pass attempts for Marcus Mariota. Yeah. In this game, you know, they were still content to, to pound Tyler Algier, who went 16 for 50, uh, did have a touchdown, didn't really matter in this game. But yeah, I mean, Atlanta, it's so frustrating, so frustrating. I mean, it's, it's hard to lump them in the same basket as like the Panthers and the Bears because they haven't been that bad. But in terms of fantasy frustration and like the amount of talent that, that they're just kind of leaving out there with London and Pitts, right. I mean, it's it's maddening. I mean, the, the Pitts situation is just horrendous. Three catches, nine yards this week. Now. He was targeted on, on another play in the end zone where yep. uh, the Bengals actually got uh, called for uh, pass interference. There's another play he caught right at the goal line. Had he not had a little bit of a juggle, he would have been ruled in for a touchdown. Instead, he was down at like the one-yard line. They pounded it in after that. Algier got the touchdown instead. Uh, but that just shows, I mean, like they are looking for him in the red zone at least. I felt mm-hmm. like there's something positive from that experience. They're home against Carolina this week. So early in the year, I was arguing that Atlanta was more talented than Carolina. They might still be, but it's not as certain anymore. And you take away the two corners, and that just completely changes this Atlanta uh, defense, especially if you're not getting enough pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they don't pressure the quarterback. And and like you said, the corners that are you know losing those guys, I think, is what's helped plunge them toward the bottom of the league mm-hmm. uh, in terms of EPA and, and DVOA and things like that on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Atlanta six point favorites in this game at home. I get it. You know, I, I think there's kind of like the, there's kind of like the opposite bounce back effect for the Panthers after you pull off a win like that last week, but six points. I I don't know that there's that big of a difference with these teams right now. I think this is like the Spider-Man gif. I think they're the same team. I yeah. Think I don't, I think the they're close. And, a half. and in yeah. fact, I, I, you know, I haven't done guess the lines for everything yet. So, but at the same time, like, I did not expect that. Uh, like, wow. I would have said two and a half, three. I think these are basically even teams. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that, but this is, this strikes me as a, what does Vegas know that I don't know sort of thing. Exactly. They usually know which the answer is always a lot more than I realize. Uh, so there you go. All right, let's move on to the next game here. Uh, let's go with, well, we haven't talked to Thursday night game. So I didn't, and I didn't get to do the show with you on Thursday night. So mm-hmm. let's, let's briefly cover that. Andy Dalton threw for six touchdowns, four of them to his own team. Uh, but that, that was the big story were those two pick sixes, basically. Otherwise, yep. these, this was basically an even game. 
Yeah, it was an even game, and it was one where I think the Saints came out and looked like they were going to set the tone, right? I yeah. mean, they they march right down, score in like five plays on their first drive. They hold Arizona to a field goal. They march all the way down again, put together this really impressive like 14-play drive. You're right on the brink, and then Andy Dalton throws a pick in the end zone. That was egregious. Um, you know, but even after that, they they hold mm-hmm. Arizona to another field goal. They go down, score again. You're up 14 to six, and you're thinking, man, we should be up 21 six right now. Uh, and then, like you said, the back-to-back pick sixes, and you know, this ended up being a one-score game. But it, it it to me, it felt like it was over after that second pick six. Yep. And the first one wasn't his fault, by the way. That first one went off of Callaway's hands. Yep. Uh, maybe he forced it a little bit in the traffic, but the fact is, he got it there. Callaway just biffed it there. So. Blame, I, I blame Callaway on that. The second one was just egregious. The one, the Simmons touchdown pick six. That was horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they didn't recover. Uh, and, and, and also Arizona got through that third quarter late. You know, there, there was the fire drill at the end of the game where they scored 17 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, kept on trying to get those onside kicks. A little struggle with that. But the fact is, if you're trying to, rec- if you need two recovered onside kicks to win a game, chances are the, mm-hmm. you weren't as close as the score it, it, it suggests there but um some positives are that i mean they did move the ball especially early on they were rolling um they found olave a lot uh kevin white kevin, gets, kevin white getting into the action yeah out of nowhere back on the practice squad now but yeah by, by rule um it's not like they had a choice if you call someone for the practice squad by rule they revert to it after the game uh traquan smith was just okay remember he got into that little step on a player fighting on the sidelines and all that oh, yeah. fun times um they didn't really get kamara unlocked too much he had he had one good run uh mm-hmm. and he did get involved in the passing game that's one thing dalton will throw to kamara more than i think winston will so that's something i'm going to watch if winston comes back this week yeah i think the offense on balance has looked better under Andy Dalton and you know, they've had some defensive letdowns these last few weeks, but yep. they moved the ball against Arizona. They moved it against Cincinnati. They, they certainly moved it against Seattle. They even moved yep. it uh, against Minnesota dating back to that London game. So I, I think the offense is actually on the right track and almost all those games have come without Jarvis Landry and without Michael Thomas, you know, so you're doing this with, with Kevin white and Rashid Shahid and Jawan Johnson and all these guys, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't have their starting tight end for this game as well. So Obviously, you're you're disappointed to be sitting at two and five if you're in New Orleans, but I think you're encouraged about the direction that this offense is moving. Yeah, are you picking up Juwan 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 Johnson if he's available this week? Uh, I I don't know, probably not. I don't think so. Uh, you know, for the most part, I'm actually in decent shape at tight end. Yeah, I got a lot of uh, a lot of like Hunter Henry slash Pat Fryerbooth leagues. You know, where I don't have Andrews or Kelsey. Um, you know, the the one league I could probably use him ironically is where I do have Kyle Pitts, but. Uh, no, I, I think I'll probably leave him alone this week. All right, fair enough. They host Vegas this week. Mm-hmm. Arizona, talk about a tale of like, you know, I not quite two halves because the pick sixes happened before in the two-minute drill, basically. But up until that point, I mean, it wasn't a shiny, happy game. I mean, we had Kyler uh, yelling with uh, Cliff Kingsbury on the sideline because they burned that third time out. And he's like, blanking, relax, uh, I, I think he said. Something of that to that end. They, I mean, they did get Eno Benjamin rolling. He he looked pretty good. I wanted to see a little bit more of him. Um, and Hopkins got his 10 targets. The only thing that Hopkins didn't do was score, but he, he was pretty solid. Hopkins returning crushed Ertz. It crushed Rondale Moore. That was the one thing. Uh, the other receiver the receiving options in this game, they really kind of withered away. 
that's exactly right. And I, I actually liked the spot for Rondale Moore. I, I didn't, I didn't really know how involved Hopkins would be. Uh, I thought this would maybe be kind of the last great week to, to potentially roster more. And I, I mm-hmm. did so in DFS to, to no avail one catch for 31 yards, but yeah, and that was like the first drive too. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if you're, if you're a Hopkins owner, this is best case scenario, right? I mean, they're basically yeah. force feeding him. Uh, he comes in just as Hollywood Brown exits. Obviously that was not the plan for Arizona, but um, you know, I, I, we, we kind of saw Kyler forcing things to Hollywood. He was far and away his favorite target. And I, I think Hopkins essentially just steps right back into that role. Now he's, he's not going to go 10 for one Oh three every single week, but he is very clearly the number one guy, at least until Hollywood Brown is back. We have no idea when that's going to be. Uh, yeah, at least four to six weeks is what they were saying. He's on IR, so minimum of four weeks on that one there. Arizona at Minnesota this week, coming off the bye for Minnesota. So big game for uh, that. Uh, they, they need to maintain the momentum to keep up with the Seahawks, for crying out loud. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But uh, anyways, uh, all of our podcasts are brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. We play their ads as a result of that. We're going to do that right now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. With Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right. Thank you for your indulgence. Uh, big thanks to the Blue Wire Network. Uh, let's move on to our next game. Uh, we got. Let's just go with your Jaguars. Jaguars versus Giants. Man. They had this one again. They had it. They had it again. Uh, it was I don't, It was just such a Jaguars game, man. I I. I I've developed a sense, you know, from watching the Jaguars for 20 years, like when they're going to blow a game like this. And for me, I think it was like mid third quarter. You know, I started texting my, my NFL friends saying like, I just, just want to let you guys know the Jaguars will lose this game. Uh, you know, I, I know I had some friends who had money on the giants. So I'm like, rest assured. I know the Jaguars are up right now, but I believe me, they will lose this game. And th- this is a team that just continues to have such bizarre decisions on like third and fourth down specifically. They yet again 
blew a, another fourth and short deep in Giants territory. Uh, tried like to, it was kind of a QB sneak type of play with Trevor Lawrence, but uh, it was closer to a fourth and two. And, you know, he gets a push forward, just didn't get enough for the first down. Obviously it would have been better to, you know, take the field goal there, essentially prevent the Giants uh, from going up by, by, by more than, you know, a, a score after they go down and score. So it was just, it was such a disaster. It's such a disaster on offense. This is not a team that, that I really trust to make big conversions and fantasy wise, huge alarm bells going off now for James Robinson, who is just not involved whatsoever. Um, I, right. I, I think, I think it's fully Travis Etienne's job and he looked awesome in this game, but once again, had a horrible, horrible turnover, uh, you know, just an egregious oh. fumble into the end zone. If Travis Etienne doesn't fumble that ball, I think the Jaguars win this game. And that's, that's really the second time this year now uh, that, that he's had a crushing, crushing turnover. That's really affected the outcome. I was surprised they didn't go to Robinson after that. Um, I, I thought you might see Robinson and I, you did. He was on the field for some goal to go situations. I noticed right. that, uh, but they didn't turn to him. Uh, not only did ETN lose that fumble, but he also had oven mitt hands on a play yep. that wasn't an easy catch, but a catch. It was like above his head. Um, it was wide open down the sideline. I mean, they yeah. had a lot of room for him to go. At the same time, he broke off the 49-yard run. I mean, he's so dynamic. They they have to keep feeding him, and they, they are going to keep feeding him. I thought that was interesting. But, yeah, mm-hmm. just killer mistakes at the wrong time. That – and then they couldn't stop the Giants from running the ball. Yeah. That was the other problem in this game. Yeah, this Jags defense is, is not good. Um, I, I You know, Saquon had 110 yards. I actually thought they did a pretty good job – on Saquon Barkley, especially mm-hmm. on early downs, you know, they forced the Giants into a lot of third downs. Uh, unfortunately, they let them convert six of those, um, you know, 27 first downs for the Giants in this game. That's been the story the mm-hmm. last few weeks for the Jags is just not being able to get off the field, um, not being able to stop Daniel Jones on the ground. That's what killed them. You know, 11 yeah. carries for 107 yards. He had a couple huge scrambles to, to keep extending drives late. Uh, Jacksonville's just not a smart team. I think that's something that that has transcended, you know, all the coaches that they've had. They routinely beat themselves more than any other team. They're, they're kind of a low IQ football team. They commit bad penalties um, and they're, they're not disciplined, you know, and you, you saw that time and time again, it's like, how are you continuing to fall for this play action when Daniel Jones is now just running wide open for a first down, down the sidelines. So um, yeah, pretty disappointing effort for the Jags. Obviously they fall like a foot short, you know, nice play by Trevor Lawrence to get it to Christian Kirk on the last play of the game. But uh, to me, that was one where you're like, Christian Kirk is not the, he's not the type of player who's going to make a catch and then push through somebody. You know, they don't have, they don't have any yeah. big receivers. All their receivers are slot receivers, you know? So you yeah. don't really, you know, if you're throwing that ball and it's DK Metcalf catching it, he's probably falling forward into the end zone for the game winning touchdown, you know, but if it's five, nine Christian Kirk, you just can't really expect that to happen. So um, feels like we're heading down the same old road with the Jags, but once again, man, hats off to the giants six and yeah. one. I think their six wins have come by a combined like 24 points or something crazy like that. Every game's been one score, but uh, you, you saw today, you know, the difference between the Jags are the more talented team. The Giants are the, the more disciplined and the better coach team. Yeah. Uh, Wandale Robinson looked pretty talented in the first half, but then yeah. he got hurt. Um, and we didn't see him at all in the second half. And mm-hmm. they have no weapons in the passing game. It's crazy. Slayton scored. He made a nice play actually on that yeah. score too. It was a nice throw by dimes threw a dime on that one there, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I mean, they're, they're, this is, this is like a very giants win just as much as it's a very Jaguars loss. I mean, it, it was both sides. I mean, it, you're right though. Uh, you know, Kirk getting stopped short at the goal line, but it, all, again, it came down to like uh, not quite, it wasn't quite a hail Mary, 
but it was a desperation play to try to get in there. It comes down to that. That's it. It really was the Giants in control in that fourth quarter. Uh, you know, if if Barkley stays in bounds, we don't even get the drama, uh, drama at the end of the game. Yeah, exactly. And you could tell. I think Saquon knew he should have gone out of bounds and was was sweating that out a little bit at the end, but. You know, I mean, I'm watching the Jags march down the field on that final drive. And like, I, I just had no faith that they were going to finish it off. And right. They got closer than I expected. I'll tell you that. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's an offense right now that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. And yeah, as, as soon as they got stuffed on that fourth and one deep in Giants territory, uh, it was pretty clear where this game was headed. But nonetheless, I mean, again, hats off to the Giants. They're, they're, they're officially, I think, a good team for better or for worse. Yeah. Once again. Jaguars get their annual London home game uh, next week, home against Denver. So that'll be another slugfest. Will not be easy on the eyes, and especially when it's early, it'll be yeah. even harder on the eyes. Uh, meanwhile, the Giants, uh, they go on the road. They face the surging Seahawks. So that'll be a fun, uh, the yeah. surprise bowl. That's going to be a really fun game. I, you know, both teams feel like they're, they're moving in the right direction, uh, too, but in very different ways. You know, Seattle's just finding ways to, kind of outscore teams every week. They're, they're the mm. more fun team to watch. Certainly yeah. uh, two, two very contrasting styles. That's for sure. I mean, the giants kind of remind me of the old Seahawks in some ways. Uh, right. And then, I mean, Denver, Jacksonville, my goodness. Uh, I, I don't know what to do with that one. Jags Set the are, total think, at 29. I don't know. Oh, uh, we'll sitting at 39 and a half. I would go <laughs> under on that. That's for sure. Uh, we'll see who's under center for the Broncos. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I think they probably hope it's Russell Wilson. Didn't love what I saw from Ripon. Uh, no. that game yesterday um but yeah we'll we'll tackle that one at a, at a later date i can't talk any more jags i just okay. can't do it all right we'll spare you that one there thank you all right cleveland baltimore uh lamar jackson has looked ordinary lately no yes. touchdowns yesterday nine for 16 120 10 for 59 on the ground lost another fumble uh no that was justice hill i'm sorry he didn't lose it uh the, the ravens though lost another fumble in the fourth quarter and you start to think, okay, are the Ravens fourth quartering us again? Uh, every time that the Ravens got a drive going, it seemed like they kept on falling short, at least to me. I and mean, they got their two touchdowns out of Gus Edwards. Uh, Kenyon Drake was the pickup bust of the week. Meanwhile, Edwards was the guy that was the real, the real guy there. Drake is now a cut, I think. Uh, and it's a shame because I picked him up in a lot of leagues this past week. Mm-hmm. Just out of desperation more than anything. I didn't really have any particular faith in him. Uh, but Edwards is the guy now. Yeah. I think with last, last week with Drake, it felt a little fluky, you know, some of the long ones he was ripping off and to his credit, they, I mean, they, they gave him a chance in this game. He did carry 11 times, but got absolutely nothing. I mean, 11 carries for five yards. I thought Gus Edwards was running really well. He, he passed the eye test for sure. I mm-hmm. uh, had two touchdowns. I mean, it, Baltimore got, got creative. You know, they had Lamar Jackson, you know, lined up at running back for one play. Mark yep. Andrews taking the snap, pitching it to Lamar. It's kind of unnecessary, but uh, a cool play nonetheless. But you said it with Lamar. I mean, this was this was a big win for Baltimore. It looked like one that they were maybe going to uh, allow yet another team to climb back in and steal a win in the fourth quarter. They did a good job of of doing just enough to slam the door shut. But I remember on on the XM show, what, three, four weeks ago, we had I want to say it was Tom or Greg. Uh, from, from NFFC come on and basically say that, you know, Lamar Jackson is a cheat code. If you have him in fantasy, he's like the biggest, you know, the, the biggest league winner possible. And we're now going on what four straight weeks, at least three straight weeks where he's just been, like you said, very ordinary, no yeah. touchdowns in this game. Like the, you know, the rushing yards have, have been there every week and that's been nice to fall back on. But you know, he struggled in that Cincinnati game. He struggled last week against the giants and he struggled again this week, only nine completions 
against a Cleveland defense that's been hemorrhaging passing yards uh, to, to other quarterbacks around the league. So, um, you know, to me, Baltimore is, is still really beat up. I mean, you took a zero for Mark Andrews this week. Yeah. That's concerning. I, I do wonder how healthy he was coming into this game and, you know, didn't really get a, a much of a boost from Rashad Bateman coming back either. Bateman had a really nice catch early on. It went for like yeah. 26 yards. I'm like, hey, Baltimore has been missing this take the top off type of play. But it was really very little after that. Uh, Mark Andrews, only two targets, too. So I, I think you're right. I think he was almost in decoy mode uh, a little bit there. You know, he, he 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 was questionable. Questionable means questionable. He missed, you know, basically two full practices, basically. So uh, you can see that you know, maybe there's a little bit more. And they have the short week this week. Perhaps that was within that in mind, perhaps, that maybe they limited their exposure to him this week because they were playing ahead most of the game. Cleveland yeah. was ahead in the first quarter, 10-3. They jumped him early. Uh, and it, like starting with the ridiculous challenge by Kevin Stefanski, <laughs> like a really dumb challenge. I mean, it really didn't, wasn't cause and effect because they didn't lose anything off of that except for a timeout. But they so here's the scenario. They had forced the Ravens into a fourth down. But they wanted to rule him 10 yards farther back because they thought they had sacked Jackson. They thought that his knee was down. Turns out it wasn't enough to overturn. It's just a dumb t- – they were already going to punt to him anyhow. It was a right. dumb challenge. And it's like at that point, they were still ahead 10-3. And then next thing you know, boom, boom, they score a couple uh, a couple scoring drives. It's 13-10 at, at the half. And then they kind of walk, pushed away a little bit since, since. I mean, Cleveland got the late touchdown – with Kareem Hunt, uh, hate seeing that over Chubbin, yeah, right. but you know, they were in hurry up mode, so that's why Hunt was on the field. But again, Cleveland, I mean, this is another game. They've had one game where they haven't had a like haven't been close to winning. This was, was another one where they could they could be six as one as easily as they are two and five. Yes, absolutely. I, I think you realistically that they, they probably should be four and three. I mean, maybe five mm-hmm. and two, like you said. You there's can't give them every one. Yeah, yeah. There's a path to six and one though for sure, and. Uh, you know, I, I think Jacoby Brissett at least avoided mistakes this week. I, I, last week, you know, he kind of imploded for the first time all year, had some untimely interceptions early on, but I think for the most part had played pretty well. And uh, he turned in a good performance today, you know, got over 250 yards against this Ravens defense that still feels like we're not sure uh, if they can actually stop guys or not. But yeah, B- Baltimore to me, they're still a team that I, I think could beat anybody on any given day. Uh, you know, I mean, we, they, they should have beat Buffalo. Uh, we've already seen that. Uh, I, I still think they're a really scary team to prepare for, but yeah, they feel like they're they're kind of hanging on by a thread, you know. Where if if Mark Andrews were to suffer like an actual injury, or you know, even when they were without Bateman, you just kind of see like, wow, this is a really shallow team at, at some positions that matter. Yeah, it, it, trading away Hollywood Brown and not replacing him with anything—that was the thing that still makes no sense for a team with with the aspirations that they have, especially. Mm-hmm. So that that was a surprise, but. Maybe it's salary cap driven. Um, I don't know. Uh, Cleveland now face hosts Cincinnati next week. We talked about Baltimore at the short week at Tampa Bay. Uh, yeah. Brissett got sacked five times, put the ball on the ground twice, reco- lost one of them. Uh, People's Jones lost a fumble. Both those were killer fumbles too, by the way. I mean, uh, they did get the one recovered back from Justice, Justice Hill. They still had a chance to win this game, yep. but after recovering that fumble, they couldn't convert the first down and had to punt it right back. That was a big part of that game too. They couldn't take advantage of the opportunities. They had the big play to Peoples Jones in the first in the first quarter after already going ahead, and had to settle for a field goal after that. 
Yep, they were forced into another long field goal attempt late in the game as well. Um, you know, took a penalty on that drive. That was oh, a killer. That's right. And that was disputed, by the way. Yeah. Um, that made it a 60-yard attempt instead of 55. Right. And they actually, if you noticed, they the, the announcers did a good job of pointing this out, that instead of like full eight yards back from the last scrimmage, they did seven and a half because it was such a long kick. And, of course, it got tipped a little bit. Looked to me like it wasn't a good kick anyhow, but he was probably trying to kick it a little lower because it was so far out. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yard, I mean, penalties, every yard matters when you're talking the difference between 55 and 60. Yeah. It's a big deal. And, you know, you, you, you just kind of think of, you know, someone like Justin Tucker who just you know puts it up there and it's like, well, that would have been good from 77 yards. Like not every team has that luxury whatsoever. Right. And yeah, like you said, that one, it looked like a really bad kick, but it was due from the start. I mean, he had to take such a low angle at that, that it was, you know, especially when you got someone like Calais Campbell out there who's like six, eight and can get his arms up over seven feet. Um, it, it just makes for almost an impossible kick. So the Browns, you know, once again, uh, kind of snatching victory away or snatching what defeat away from the jaws of victory, whatever the phrase you is. You got it there. There um, you go. Baltimore, by the way, one and a half point favorites at Tampa Bay. And I, I, I it kind of feels like now this is the week that the odds makers are, are no longer giving the Bucks the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, like I, I still, I feel like this is kind of a, a sneaky bounce back spot for Tampa Bay. I, I don't know. Like if this game was in Baltimore, I would love the Ravens, but this I think it's, it actually sets up to be a really interesting Thursday night matchup. Yeah, I think so too. Um, definitely. Uh, it's two teams. It'll probably be another disappointment matchup on a Thursday night. At least last Thursday night was like yeah. cleanser for the soul from the previous two Thursday night games. Tucker, man, he's still the best. Uh, you know how putting green sometimes will have the smaller holes every once in a while for working on you to work on just really getting to the center of the cup? Mm-hmm. Justin Tucker should have like, you know, narrower goalposts than everybody else uh, or, or like you get if you if you hit the narrower gap you get an extra point because you get from 55 it was still right down the middle it was just ridiculous yeah. well I think it was the Cincinnati game the game winner there they said was like literally the most dead center kick ever like yeah. since they've been tracking that like he could not have hit it better uh, I would be opposed to that by the way like adding some more like obstacles or it's mm-hmm. like all right if you make it through this little square it's worth five points something like that I, I don't see the NFL adopting that anytime soon. I'll be honest, but wouldn't be yeah. a vote. But the people that hate kickers, they'd hate it. But they, yeah. you know, too, shame on them. Too bad. All right, uh, Dallas, Detroit. Ah, man, this game was kind of disappointing. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, I think we were we were right to worry about some rust for Dak Prescott, uh, who was fine in this game, but really yeah. not remarkable at all. Uh, you know, we saw Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott do a lot of the heavy lifting. I mean, this was a, just a classic split between those guys where like for the entire day, Tony Pollard looks like the better back. And then of course it's Ezekiel Elliott getting both of the short touchdowns yep. Uh, yep. To, to salvage a really nice fantasy day, 15 for 57 and two. That's kind of the Zeke special at this point in his career. Uh, but that's why you draft it because the, the Cowboys make a point uh, continually to, to feed him those opportunities. This was once again about Dallas's defense though, just stepping up. I mean, sacked, Jared Goff five times and a bunch of fumbles in this game at two picks. Uh, it's, it's a closer game than the score would imply. You know, Dallas was really not able to get much going offensively at all uh, until later in this game. And it was the defense just time and time again, you know, three straight possessions forced to turnover at one point in the second half. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jamal Williams with a killer fumble on the goal line. Yep. Uh, just brutal. I mean, Jared Goff was terrible in this one here. Uh, Elliot got a contusion on his right knee. Uh, 
I, I think he's going to be okay uh, because he, he just said he's get, he just says, I still have to go back and talk to the trainers, but certainly didn't seem to miss that many reps. But there's a story about Elliot that I think is really interesting this year. He has eight targets all season long, eight. He had 65 last year, 71 each of the last two years. I mean, he is just no longer a part of the passing game. And I think that's you know, none yesterday, even with Dak back at the helm. I think that's noteworthy. I mean, they just, won't throw, use them at all in the passing game. Yeah, very strange. Very, very strange, especially when you consider that, you know, Pollard missed time early on. You'd think he would have racked up some targets. And maybe part of that is just kind of the the Cooper Rush adjustment. Um, you know, just, just his style maybe doesn't lend quite as well to that. We'll see if that picks up over the next couple of weeks with Dak. But I, I still, I don't really feel like we got a representative Dak sample uh, in this game. I, I think, you know, in the coming weeks, we'll we'll kind of start to see what he's going to look like this year. Right now we have that, that kind of terrible week one game against the Buccaneers when we thought they were the best defense in the league. And then we right. have this you know, tough spot where he's coming off the injury. Um, you know, really good spot next week on paper at home against the Chicago Bears. Uh, I think that could kind of be the, the official Dak is back coming out party game for him. Yeah. Uh, we, although Detroit's even better of a matchup, but we'll yeah, see what think. happens to the Bears tonight. But yeah. Uh, the, remember, I, I'm old enough to remember when the uh, Lions led the NFL in scoring per game. Oh. Uh, they've scored six points their last two games combined. Yeah, that was long, long ago. And even after getting blanked by the Patriots, they were still, I think, top three in scoring. Uh, but yeah, this offense, I mean, we're, it kind of feels like we're starting to see uh, like Jared Goff and Geno Smith had like very similar starts to the season. We're seeing Geno Smith being able to continue it. And we're seeing Jared Goff kind of come full circle. Yeah. But in fairness to Goff, he had no DeAndre Swift. He functionally had no Amon Ross St. Brown. True. Got the concussion really early in that one there. Had a really nice DFS lineup with him in there. That was that was a bummer. Uh, it's all about me. Uh, and then, you know, no DJ Chark for at least three more weeks after this yep. one, and he hasn't had him in a while. I mean, your top targets were Khalif Raymond and Brock Wright and TJ Hawkinson. That's also part of the problem, too, is that he just didn't have – he doesn't, you know, at least, you know, Gino has Tyler Lockett and, uh, and Kenneth Walker, although he, does, he lost Metcalf in that game. So si similar adversity, I suppose, but still more more depth there in, in skill position players than the Detroit has right now. Yeah, I mean, we, we said it against Minnesota as soon as Amon Ross St. Brown went down. That kind of felt like the moment everything changed mm -hmm. for this Lions offense and not having him at full speed in this game really, really hurt them. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned Swift, but it, it felt like they were able to survive okay without DeAndre Swift, you know, with how well Jamal Williams was playing. Uh, but I think it's clear now like, to be the offense that it looked like they were through four games. They, they need both St. Brown and Swift at full speed. Yep. This is, this is a team that has all the trappings now of looking like they're the leaders in the clubhouse for Bryce Young next year, uh, though. And especially because there's going to be a need at quarterback. No, I, I think you're right. And I mean, imagining what this offense can look like with Bryce Young, pretty tantalizing. Yeah. Although there'll be some growing pains as as is the case with any rookie, but they host uh, Miami next week, so we'll see uh, if they can bounce back at home in that one. There, and as you mentioned, Dallas gets uh, the Bears next week, so not not bad there. Uh, let's share a note here from our friends at Swagger. There are 50 million fantasy player, sports players and sports betters in the U.S., but 90 percent of all cash prizes are won by only two percent of all players. That's because most sports gaming options were created for pros. You know, the dudes dropping loads of cash on data to find an edge over the rest of us. Not Swagger. 
Swagger is a daily fantasy sports site created for sports fans who simply want some skin in the game and a real shot at winning. Tired of losing because of one bad pick? With Swagger, you don't need to be perfect to win. You simply create a ticket of 4 to 10 simple player props and score points for the ones you get right. Your score determines your win, not the perfect ticket. You can be half right and be all right with Swagger. Swagger offers the most player props and biggest payouts of any DFS site, as much as 50 times your money. Plus, you can play fantasy football along with all the major U.S. pro sports, as well as international soccer, Formula One, NASCAR, fight sports, rugby, cricket, and even esports. Ready to play? Visit playwithswagger.com slash rotowire to sign up, and Swagger will give you $10 free to try them out, plus match your first deposit 100% up to $100. Swagger, daily fantasy for all mankind. All right, we t- we just covered uh, Dallas and Detroit. Uh, I think we still have for, oh we still have Indianapolis and Tennessee from the early slate. This was another ugly offensive game for both teams here, Nick. Uh, yes, yes, it was, and that that's kind of been the theme. Uh, it feels like uh, you know week after week where we we have these matchups that on paper. You know, look like they should be really intriguing, uh, and and that is you know ultimately not the case. Um, I don't. know. I mean, we we kind of went into this matchup, you know, expecting this one to be a little uglier than some of the others around the league. But mm-hmm. uh, to me, it it absolutely Jeff lived up to the hype in that regard. Yeah, it sure did. It sure did. Uh, again, I think. I mean, first of all, I think Tennessee just owns Indy. I mean, yeah. I think Vrabel owns uh, is just he's on. He's always got it dialed in for this game. They correctly identifies this is the matchup to win the division. Um, and now that, you know, they've got a stranglehold on it. They're four and two, but they're also and the Colts are only three, three and one. They're not that bad overall record, but they've now lost twice to Tennessee. They've mm-hmm. lost to Jacksonville once and they tied Houston. So they're one, three and one in the division with only one Houston game left in division. So they're going to have to accomplish it elsewhere and hope that it doesn't come down to a tiebreaker. So they essentially are, you know, they add like two half games behind Tennessee because of the tie and because of the, the head to heads. So they're in really tough shape now. Yeah. It's starting to feel like this is going to be Tennessee's division to lose certainly. And I think they're the type of team that if you're Jacksonville, you don't feel good about how you match up. Um, you know, they're, they're a smart team. They're a team that doesn't beat themselves. They're basically the opposite of the Jags in every way. And you know, I mean, the Colts, it felt like we're running hot by their standards coming into this game. And I, I don't know, man, it was a, a kind of another regression type of game for Matt Ryan, 243 yards, but needed 33 completions to get there. He's back to being sacked, you know, took three sacks in this game through a couple of picks. Uh, magically, he's now gone two straight weeks without fumbling. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, in the same spirit of like the 72 Dolphins, uh, Kerry <laughs> Collins and Dante Culpepper, you know, maybe starting to uh, to feel a little bit more comfortable as the season goes along, but yeah, I mean, the other story here too, is just yet again, Jonathan Taylor, not being able to get going 10 carries 58 yards. Uh, they fell behind, you know, 13 uh, zero early in this game. And I think once again, felt like they needed to kind of resort to the pass and it, you know, that's worked a couple times this season. It certainly worked against Jacksonville, but Tennessee is just a, a much more disciplined defense and um, you know, can't be shocked that that Indianapolis only scored 10 points. If Taylor's only getting 10 carries. I don't think you can understate the importance of that pick six. I mean, right. it, it was just brutal. I mean, Tennessee didn't score an offensive touchdown all game. No. I mean, they, they, the Colts defense played actually reasonably well, but that pick six changed things. The Colts were driving. Uh, it was a three, nothing game at the time. 
boom, pick six. All of a sudden, it's 10 nothing, and the Colts kind of abandoned. I mean, Taylor is averaging almost six yards a carry. They just gave up on that. Again, similar to the game last year uh, if, at Tennessee. Remember, he ran really well in that game, just not enough. Um, and that, that, that that's just – it's tough. I mean, they, they had – Three, they had the three sacks. They had three turnovers. I mean, it, it's it, it's hard to run the ball when you're make, doing all those things there. You get into tough tough spots. Penalty-wise, I mean, it was a pretty clean game. Only four penalties for the Colts, so that wasn't an issue. But just ugh, just a team that's hard to watch. I mean, Taylor got a lot of targets at least. My uh, Paris Campbell, saw we, we saw a little bit of him, got the touchdown, plus 10, t- 10 catches total. Again, nothing really deep downfield. Uh, and that that's a problem for this team. They have a hard time because they have to throw the ball quickly. That's the adjustment that the Colts have made. You know, otherwise those three sacks turn into six. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of in that same zone as Tampa and green Bay, ironically, where you have this aging quarterback who, you know, doesn't trust his offensive line feels like he needs to get the ball out a ton. Uh, much like Tampa and green Bay on paper, you have a, a running game that should be really successful but you inexplicably go away from it to, to kind of yeah. feed into one of your weaknesses, which for this Colts team, other than Michael Pittman, you don't have a lot of great pass catchers that you feel good about. I mean, Paris Campbell, like you said, uh, did have another good week. He, he flashed against Jacksonville as well at a nice touchdown catch in this game. But yeah, there's no flow with Indianapolis. Uh, it, it just, it, it, everything feels forced. It, it feels like they're in a lot of third and longs. You know, you're asking Matt Ryan to do things that, at this point in his career, he's, he's just going to struggle to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I said, it, I don't, I don't love Tennessee by any means, but here they are four and two, you know, four weeks ago, we were asking if maybe they would kind of do a soft tank and uh, maybe try to get themselves in position to, uh, you know, to draft a quarterback and, and that's not happening. And I think they're marching uh, likely towards another playoff berth and uh, it's, it's going to be ugly. It's going to continue to be ugly, but in this division, that's, that's more than enough. That's their brand. Uh yep. Tannehill got banged up in this one there. Uh, and, and in fact, we saw Malik Willis, I think, come in for a snap. Uh, but then Tannehill came back into the game. Willis didn't throw the ball or anything like that. So well, he, he uh, came in like somewhat contributed to this. They played, they had this weird play where they, they had some motion and a pitch and ended up fumbling it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Malik Willis was involved there. So it was kind of a confusing uh, little cameo for him. But right. uh, yeah, luckily Ryan Tannehill came back into the game. I, I think if they had had to finish this out, with Malik, Malik Willis, it could have got a little dicey, but Tannehill was able to come in, steady the ship, and they end up tacking on a field goal late that against the Colts going up two scores, you know, with six minutes left, that that feels like the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, Malik Willis should be a game manager, except he's not even ready to be a game manager right now. He looks oh, no. not ready every single time we see him out there. Uh, but the Titans recognize this and don't put him in those situations. So yep. there you go. Um all right, so enough of that game. Let's let's move on uh, to the afternoon slate, where the games, with one notable exception, were a lot more watchable. Let's rip off the Band-Aid and get the unwatchable one first, the Jets and the Broncos. Uh, Brees Hall first, gross injury. To, you know, had the long touchdown run, a long run, a 62-yard run. And, you know, at least, I mean, he, he, and, you know, what we've seen from that, too, is it looks like it's pretty bad. They, they haven't given a full diagnosis yet, but they did say it was an ACL injury. So that's pretty bad, too. Uh, Going to be uh, – you can't go out and get Michael Carter in most leagues. He's taken in, like, 67% of leagues. If you happen to be in that one token league where someone had to cut cut him because of bye week mm-hmm. issues or whatever, jump on him, obviously. But this is tough. Maybe they're going to be forced to use Zach Wilson a lot more. Yeah, I think so. And uh, you know, after Brees Hall went out in this game, there were there were certainly some dicey 
possessions late. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the Jets just they, they were able to tack on a couple of field goals. Uh, one of those coming after an interception yeah. by Brett Ripien uh, that that helped them here. But uh, yeah, I mean, you still don't really have a lot of faith in Zach Wilson. He had a couple a couple of plays where he like nearly took like literally a 25 yard sack. Yeah. He's just, yeah. he's just spinning around. He's stiff arming. And like, you're just like, just get rid of the ball, please. Like you're, this is not going to be a positive play. Uh, so he was still a, a pretty big liability in this game, albeit against a good Denver defense. So you give him some benefit of the doubt there. Um, Ian Rappaport this morning did confirm torn ACL for Brees Hall also has some meniscus damage uh, as well. That's not good to hear. Obviously his season is done. I mean, We've had a lot of big injuries. There's big injuries every year, but this one, man, sitting at five and two, like this, this just feels like kind of a, a pretty big momentum sucker for the Jets. Yeah, it does. It does. It's awful. Um, and you're right about Wilson. He he's he's going to make one of those plays is going to go really sideways soon if he keeps trying to do that. There. Yeah. Well, uh, he almost had one too. And I, I think Denver challenged it where he he like is going to the ground and tried to kind of tried to throw it away as he was going to the ground. Very yeah. easily could have been ruled a fumble. That would have been returned for a touchdown by Denver. So in, in that case, he was fortunate not to have one of those plays. But yeah, I mean, there were there were three or four times where you're you're kind of panicking when the ball's in his hands late. Absolutely. Uh, can't blame, once again, can't blame the Denver defense. They only no. allow 260 yards of offense in this one here. Uh, but the offense is just so like prehistorically bad. I mean, it, it's just awful, awful offense to watch. Uh, Ripian was really rough. Somehow he managed 46 attempts, which is not what you want to do when you have a really rough quarterback, but they were trailing most of the game still, but almost always, it was always within one score. Um, and that yeah. was the thing that was really weird is, I mean, it was 10, nine at the half. They just, Oh, they just could not get on track. Tough, tough team. And Gordon was 11 for 33 as the starter. Mike Boone got banged up. We saw Tavius Murray get the one touchdown, of course, because now we knew he wasn't going to start, mm-hmm. uh, but only eight for 24. The only guy that seemed to like benefit from anything was Jerry Judy, who went seven for 96, had that big 45-yard play, had 11 targets total. Uh, Sutton was targeted nine times, just to no good effect, and we could see that late in the game. He just yeah. ripping and couldn't get him the ball. Yeah, credit to Ripian for, you know, they took a couple deep shots late, you know, had a, a decent drive going where if you're the Jets, you, you didn't feel super comfortable uh, late in that game. And it, it looked like they had an interception on a third down that ends up being called back. So there was mm-hmm. kind of one last gasp uh, for Denver. But, you know, it, to me, it looked like a play where they were just hoping to draw a penalty rather than taking a real shot. Yeah. I mean, this is Denver now has played six games that feel exactly the same yeah. other than that 32-23 loss to the Raiders. These are their final scores so far, whether they've won or lost. 17-16, I mean, wow. It's there's just no variance. It is the exact same thing week to week. It's Groundhog Day. It really Crazy. is. Crazy. How is this game not like 35 on the total coming I, up right against Jacksonville for Denver? Yeah, I it should be. It really should be. I think I think there's maybe too much faith being put in this Jags offense, I guess. Uh, but I mean they, other than that Raiders game, they have they've gone 0 for 6 on having any games where either team involved reaches 20 points. Like how insane is that? In, That's in the year so of our hard Lord, to do in the year of our Lord, 2022. I mean, if you could have gotten odds <laughs> on that coming into the year, I mean, it would be like a thousand to one. It's just, it's unbelievable. And I, I don't, it, you know, whether Russ plays or not, I, I don't know if that really changes anything. I don't think the offense looked all that different. Russ has a partially torn hamstring too. Uh, yeah. That's a big so, deal. Yeah. And remember he had a PRP injection in his shoulder. He is all sorts of banged up and we know We've seen it last year. When he comes back too soon, it's ugly. 
It's been ugly all this year, too, for that matter. I think he's still a step above Ripien, uh, yeah. but yeah, that's it's a tiny step now and not one giant leap for mankind. Uh, and, you know, the, Josh Johnson is the backup to Ripien, another career backup type. So they don't really have any sort of planning and they don't have a first round pick next year either. So, yay. No, they do not. Uh, no, there are a lot of people. I don't know if you've seen this have made a, like, you know, kind of crossover jokes of like the Broncos are the Lakers of the NFL, you know, Russell Wilson, Russell yeah. Westbrook comparisons. Yeah. It started to feel that way. Uh, you know, the Lakers are 0 three. They just blew another lead yesterday and it's like, Oh yeah, wait, if they, if they finish with a bottom five record, their pick is going straight to the new Orleans Pelicans. And yeah, that's, that's the same thing with Denver. You know, they, they could, they could very well finish this season with like four wins and end up handing over like the fifth pick in the draft to the Seattle Seahawks. Yep. Yep. Just like uh, who has the saints pick. I think it's the Eagles, right? Yes. Is that from the Olave deal? I believe so. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it, there's good teams getting great picks too. It seems fair. seems real fair there. Uh, yeah. Keep an eye out on Ty Johnson a little bit with uh Brees Hall out. They like to usually use two running backs. Johnson only had like one carry last year. He had 55 targets though. So in a PPR league, if you're desperate might be a play. Uh, we mentioned who Denver's got. The Jets have a big game at home against the Pats this week. So five and two Jets. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is not, you know, and they, when the Bengals beat them early in the year, they looked pathetic, but they, they, uh, they, they really kind of raided the ship. Funny how you don't have a bad quarterback throwing the ball 50 times makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, when's the last time we've had a Jets Pats game that feels like it matters? in the regular season. I mean, it's been, it's been at a while. least 10 years, I would think. And they, I mean, their next three, they go Pats, Bills, by, and then Pats again. Uh, yep. So th- this season could go one of two ways. You know, if you find a way to, to come out of that, like one and two, even, I think you're okay. Or two and one, certainly you feel great about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is, this is going to be a tough little stretch here for, for the Jets. Um, you know, obviously you're happy to be five and two, but very interested to see how much losing Brees Hall impacts them. Because I, I think he was very clearly their, their best playmaker. Yeah. For sure. Without a doubt. We'll see what happens with Elijah Moore heading up in the yep. trade deadline. They say they're not going to trade him. They haven't traded Denzel Mims. Mims had a drop yesterday. That's the only thing I only time I remember seeing Mims out there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you know, they we'll see. The Jets should could be one of those teams that's active at the trade deadline here. I don't think they'll trade for a back. I think they'll trade for other currency might even be for a pick mm-hmm. uh, in the case. of. But I don't think they trade Elijah Moore either, though. I think. Is Elijah Moore? You don't have any Elijah Moore. I know this because no. you're you made a point no, no, no. of telling me. Um, I have him in the Invitational. I have him, I think, in a couple other places, like a fifth or sixth round pick. Is he straight up a drop now? Well, I mean, right now he's like barely even on the team, so I I, I think so. I mean, if you can afford to hold him until after the deadline, just so you maybe get some confirmation uh, on, on what his situation is going to be. Like as of now, the messaging from the team is, hey, we told him, look. We think you're a good guy. You know, we don't think you're like a, a team cancer type of player at all. I, I was reading some report over the weekend that, you know, they, they graded him as, as highly as possible in terms of character uh, coming out of college. So they, they, I don't think this is like a, you know, Antonio Brown type of situation or anything mm-hmm. like that. They basically said, look, take the weekend off, go home, clear your head. We would love to have you back on this team next week. So I, I think we're going to find out in the next day or two where the situation is headed. You know, if he, wa- if he wants to kind of dig in deeper uh, and, and really try to force a trade, then this could get ugly, but I think, I don't think the jets, you know, it's not like a two way feud here. I think the jets want him to be a part of this offense. And, and with Brees Hall out they're they're going to need more playmaking somewhere. I, I will say, I, I agree with you. I, Michael Carter actually, you know, 
ran okay in this game. I mean, d- yeah. didn't have anything more than a five yard run, but he still runs hard. Um, you know, had a nice catch and run late uh, that that set the Jets up for one of their field goals. I think yeah. that was a, an underrated play in this game. I, I did see a little smoke of like, hey, if you're the Jets, you know, you 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 got some good vibes going. You don't want the season to go away. Maybe you you call the Cleveland Browns and see if you can get Kareem Hunt, who, as we know, was in a similar situation as Elijah Moore. You know, coming into the year, ask for a trade. The Browns tell him absolutely not. Uh, but you do wonder if maybe they've changed their tune on that. Yeah. The difference is Hunt, it's all about the contract with Morris yeah. because he just wants to play more. I mean, yeah. You want your play, you want wide receivers to want the ball more often. I mean, that's for sure. I just think, you know, Zach Wilson is not a good match for Elijah Moore, I guess. Uh, that's all I can think of. The problem is they're they're pot committed with Wilson. I mean, they, they you spent the number two overall pick yeah. on them. I mean, all that. And maybe he needs more time, but usually you see it by now. And I, I, you haven't seen a whole lot with him. No, no, we have not. Um, I, I think, like you said, they're populated for this year, at least. After mm-hmm. that, you have to reevaluate. But, you know, they're, they're not going to make some sort of change midway through, especially they're sitting at five and two. It's not because of Zach Wilson, but they're five and two nonetheless. Exactly right. Moving on to Vegas. Raiders over the Texans. Josh Jacobs, man, he is so – not only is he, like, a workhorse, he's legit. Now, I, he was the DFS chalk play that paid off. I mean, and the thing is, this is a reminder. You got a chalk play on, in a cash game, just keep playing them. I mean, and it, it was, he was crazy. 20 for 143, just killed the end of the game for the Raiders so nicely. Uh, three touchdowns. I mean, he, it, it was everything you wanted out of him. Uh, and for a Raiders team that not much has gone right this year, that Josh Jacobs has gone very right. We left Josh Jacobs for dead during draft season and yep. boy, were we wrong about that? I mean, yep. he, he's up to RB two status now in PPR leagues. He's behind only Austin Eckler in terms of fantasy points per game. He's ahead of Saquon. He's ahead of Chubb. He's ahead of Henry um, and is showing no signs of slowing down. I mean, these last three games, 28 for 144, 21 for 154, 20 for 143. And then the three touchdowns uh, this past week against Houston. I mean, we're, yep. At this point in the year, like he, if you if you did like all pro voting right now, like he might be a first team all pro running back. Like he has been that dominant yep. over the last three weeks. And the Raiders, you know, the passing game continues to be up and down. Uh, obviously, missing Darren Waller has been a key key issue for them. Like we're seeing a lot more Mac Hollins involvement than I ever thought we would coming into the year. Uh, but we did not think they'd be able to lean on Josh Jacobs the way that they have. And this was not a wire to wire beatdown by the Raiders at no. all. This was a close game that Houston I thought actually played better early on but once they they kind of you know were resigned to the fact in the second half that like hey we're just going to keep riding our starting running back here and they scored touchdowns on three straight drives uh, and that was basically it you know tacked on a pick six at the end as well i mean he's been he's been unbelievably dominant i i will fully admit i did not see this coming at all no no uh you know houston was up 2017 late into the third uh third quarter uh vegas scored with i think i think like three four minutes left or a little over three minutes left, I think. Uh, and you know, that was, that was it. Uh, they got the touch. They, they got the touchdown. They went ahead and actually that, that, that was it. Uh, actually it was in the fourth quarter that they went ahead. So there you go. I mean, they, yep. and then they pulled away late the Texans. Oh, they had a sequence where they had fourth and one where they're lining up to go for it. False start. They get the other way. Yeah. Uh, I think they settled for the field goal. Uh, they go down the other way there, or they may be, it might've even been a punt after that. I got to look and see. Actually, it was a punt. If I recall correctly, uh, that that's a, that's exactly it. It was fourth and one. 
They're lined up to go for it from their own 33. They have the false start. They punt it away. Vegas turns around and drives, gets to a fourth and one. They draw the Texans offsides, keep the drive yep. alive, score the touchdown. Then a pick six. It's game over. It's just like that. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, they it was such a weird sequence of events. It worked perfectly and perfectly for the uh, Texans there. Just awful sequence for them. Yeah, I mean, you watch watching that game from the Texans. I'm thinking, like, man, this this team beat the Jaguars a couple weeks ago. Like, that, yeah. that that's really where that, that's where the Jaguars are right now. That's why I could not get that out of my head. I mean, this is no. <laughs> this is not a good team. I mean, Davis Mills, I thought actually looked really good in the first half. Was dropping some major dimes, uh, but you know, kind of started to regress in the second. Still ended up with probably his best game of the year uh, thus far statistically. But uh, the pick six was a killer. Although at that point, you know that 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 was the drive right after. Uh, Houston jumped off sides on that fourth down. Um, once that happened, you, you kind of knew the Raiders were going to finish it off and punch that in. And uh, the game was essentially over. But uh, the only real, I, I think, positive takeaway for Houston, another good game for Damian Pierce. Didn't get in the end zone, uh, but did rush 20 times for 92 yards. Continues to just look really, really good, really active, really physical runner. Uh, not an easy player to bring down. And you, you don't always see that uh, from rookies, especially rookies on bad teams with bad offensive lines. But uh, he, he continues to do really well. Yeah, he does. He does. So, uh, yeah, um, I, I, the, the passing game for Houston is rough, though. I mean, Mills is regressing some. Cooks got hurt. Uh, uh, not only Cooks, but Nico Collins got hurt in this one, even, you know, and mm-hmm. Collins was definitely out the rest of the way. I mean, we saw Chris Moore scoring. We saw Philip Dorsett scoring. I didn't know he was still in the league, but uh, yep. There was a no, lot I, of that in the afternoon games, you know, yeah, Marquise Goodwin you, going off. That? Yeah. Marquise Goodwin. That was, that was the other one I saw. Like he's going off in Seattle. I'm like, who is this guy? Uh, but yeah, I mean the, 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 uh, Texans are kind of collecting some of those players that you didn't realize, you know, I, I think Rex Burkhead for a lot of people is probably still in that category. Uh, ex Badger, Daria Gumbawale going five for 54, uh, out of nowhere in this game as well. He was kind of the backup running back Rex Burkhead, uh, just a strange day as usual. Uh, for this Houston offense. And you talk about guys who might be traded. There's starting to start to be some uh, Brandon cooks smoke as well. Obviously someone who is no stranger uh, to being dealt, but uh, you could see Houston, you know, make that move, maybe pick up an extra draft pick. Yeah, they could. Uh, they got through this. The Raiders got through this game without Darren Waller. Uh, mm-hmm. Foster Moreau went three for 28, nothing special. Mac Hollins had a sweet touchdown. Um, he, he was kind of questionable going into this game. He actually a game time decision for him to score like that. Renfro returned three for 55, but it's mostly Adams with most of the targets eight for 95 on nine targets. Didn't get in, in the end zone, unfortunately. Uh, and, you know, most of it was Josh Jacobs doing that though. That's, there's a reason for that. Yeah. That Matt Collins touchdown was big. That was right before halftime time was running out. They were down to like 20 seconds and that was from like 25, 30 yards out. Really mm-hmm. nice high throw by Derek Carr, uh, really place where only Matt Collins could come down with it. He makes the catch gets hit, you know, not an easy catch whatsoever, pretty good chance that they have to settle for a field goal uh, if, if he doesn't make that uh, reception. So that, that one was, it was huge, you know, for Las Vegas to tie that game at halftime, get some momentum. And obviously that carried over into the second half. My only other note from this game, uh, Foster Moreau, every time he catches the ball, it's like a, like a high school coach's dream. Like he goes into like full on fullback mode. He carries carries it like Mike Allstott carried the ball. Like was, is not really all that interested in like, gaining speed or picking up yards. It was just like, all right, I have the ball. I'm not fumbling no matter what. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, it's so funny. Well, after Renfro had the fumble six earlier uh, exactly. against the Cardinals, like you can see why a little bit there. Uh, Vegas goes on the road next week. They're at uh, New Orleans. Meanwhile, Houston, on the other hand, returns home. 
they get a home game against Tennessee. It's their last stand. Really, it's not even that. They, no one. They. I still think Houston. Houston versus. I mean, Houston versus Detroit versus Carolina for the race to be the first pick next year. I think those are your top three lead yes. dogs. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. The Jags might might throw their hat in the ring. They did lose to Houston, but yeah, I think Houston's okay with that. You know, they're that's kind of closer to the expectations we had for this team yeah. coming into the year. Uh, meanwhile, though, the Raiders, I, I think if they had lost this game, I, I don't know how you could expect them to make the playoffs. They're they're still for hanging sure. around now. Uh, you know, especially with the Chargers taking another loss. Of course, you feel good about the Chiefs uh, winning that division, but uh, they're not out of it. Chargers are four and three. Raiders sitting at two and four. Um, still a you know a much better team than a lot of the other two and four teams around the league. Exactly. Exactly right. All right. Three more games left to cover. Before we do that, though, quick note from our final sponsor. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action that you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that, too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com, and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So, what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right. Kind of saved the uh, best games for last year, uh, at least, well, well, best two afternoon games uh, from a watchability standpoint, starting with the Chiefs' evisceration of the Niners. Uh, the Niners, I mean, for a while they were ahead. They were driving the ball. They were up. They jumped them early. I think they're up 10 nothing. They're up 13 uh, 7. But they were settling for field goals. And you knew you just don't settle for field goals against the Chiefs. Yeah, Mahomes threw an early interception uh, that that contributed to that ten nothing start for San Francisco. It looked like there was just just felt like there was more of a buzz, you know, around this team, you know, post McCaffrey trade, like everything's rolling, and you know, like we've seen a couple times this year, it was it was kind of reminiscent of that Raiders game a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, Kansas City responds with a touchdown. You know, they hold to a field goal on the next drive. All of a sudden, you blink and they're up fourteen thirteen, and you're like, what the heck? Yeah. What happened here? Like the 49ers felt like they were in control. Uh, you know, they, they, Jimmy G ends up throwing a pick late in the first half. And, oh, and what a though, horrible pick too. Right. Even though Kansas city didn't even score on the ensuing possession, it was just about that hold, you know, that, that had come, I believe right after the sky Moore muff punt, which he, he's quietly become kind of a liability that's for the third teams. time. I think this year yep. that that's he, happened. He had one against Indianapolis that sent that game off the rails right away. This one felt like it was heading that direction, but man, this Kansas city offense is so fun to watch. It feels like whenever Whenever they want to rip off a 25-yard gain, there's just somebody running wide open in the middle of the field. And we, you know, we saw this, one of the best throws of the year from Mahomes to Marquez Valdez-Scantling on, yep. on a third and long uh, at a time where it felt like if they didn't get that and they punted back to San Francisco, this game was, was about to change. Um, so just, you know, it, 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 this was Patrick Mahomes just being Mahomes and a, a really impressive effort from Kansas City on a day where I felt like, other than the, the Garoppolo interception, I, I thought the 49ers played pretty well in this game. It was just the chiefs being a better team. Yeah. Second half, it kind of got out of the, off the rails a little bit there when they started having to throw every down Garoppolo got sacked five times, had the fumble lost yeah. the fumble too. They, they brought in Brock Purdy. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Which, which demonstrated that they don't need to bring in Brock Purdy anymore. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just, you know, about the only positive was the, George Kittle, you know, you know, asserting himself in this offense a little bit more. Had the nice touchdown, six for 98 in this one. You know, 
he's getting him, you know, back up to uh, the circle of trust level now where you're starting him. You were going to start him if you had him any week, just yeah. almost because of your draft investment costs. But he's now comfortably a top five tight end for me. Yeah, I think part of it's by default. You know, Darren Waller, we, we don't know what it, what his status is week to week. He's kind of been in the same bucket as Kittle regardless. And there's just there's just not a lot of other guys that you trust right. ahead of George Kittle. And I, I, I'm still not all that sold on, on him being this good, and this consistent week to week, but you just don't have the normal uh, amount of tight ends that you feel good about falling back on. Um, on the other side, I mean, Juju, another big game that's back-to-back weeks now, uh, north yeah. of 100 yards for him. Uh, so, so those of us, you know, who've held strong, uh, Juju Island seems to be paying off at the right time. Uh, MVS, just a, a classic MVS line, three for 111, yep. no touchdowns. Uh, Travis Kelsey, six for 98, the usual from him. Saw a decent amount of McCaffrey. In this game, you know, they worked him in gradually in the first half, uh, you know, didn't, didn't do a ton, kind of split the workload with Jeff Wilson, but look good for the most part, um, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, as they get him up to speed. I mean, they have, they have probably the two most dangerous, um, like Swiss Army Knife type of players in the entire league, in right. McCaffrey and Debo on the same team. So I, I think, you know, good job by Kansas City adjusting on the fly and, and not really letting either of those guys beat them. I mean, this was one of Debo Samuel's quietest games of the year. Which raises the question, and this was brought up by when I was doing a radio hit on Saturday with uh, Bob Harris and Mike Dempsey on Sirius XM Fantasy. Uh, does the addition of McCaffrey make you worry a little bit if you are a Debo Samuel manager? I think a little bit. And it, it's like, you know, how many of those gadgety plays that go to Debo now go to McCaffrey, right? right. I, I, don't, I don't worry about him losing targets in the passing game necessarily. Uh, but I, 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 you know, some of those, those kind of pre-designed plays that have often been you know, ripped off huge gains for Debo Samuel. If he's losing half of those to McCaffrey, yeah, it's 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 definitely a concern. I, I think I, yeah, you know, obviously you're not like you know you're not like benching Debo Samuel going forward, but I, I think you lower your expectations uh, or, or his rest of season projection if you want to phrase it that way. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Uh, big game for uh, the Niners coming up next week. They're at the Rams, rematch of the Monday night game from earlier where the uh, Niners defense just eviscerated them. This is not your same Niners defense. They have so many injuries right now. Their secondary is basically yep. eviscerated. Their front not, front four is really racked up with injuries. Uh, that that's a big part of the the Niners' struggles here is they just they can't defend the pass right now. No, they cannot. And you're getting the Rams coming off a bye too. So on paper, yeah. I think this looks like a good spot for San Francisco. You look at the previous result and you say, well, you know, of course they'll do it again. But uh, you know, the Rams are one of those teams that that always seems to do well coming off of a bye, even even if. Uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan has, has always had McVay's number. Um, I, I have no other notes from this game, although we should note. Uh, I have. The, uh, the Indianapolis Colts are benching Matt Ryan and Sam Ellinger will get the start next week. So I, I, wow. hate to, I hate to turn back the clock and make us talk about the Colts more, but pretty major news here. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it's interesting that it's Ellinger uh, that's getting the start too. Yeah, um, yeah they... Uh, it's Every year it's something different here. I mean, does that put... That almost makes me think that it puts the Colts in. That's it's a desperation play. Sounds like it's Ursay waiting in and making the decision from from what I'm reading on my timeline really quick here. Uh, Frank Wright said he stopped short of saying it was Ursay's decision, but Ursay has been increasingly involved behind the scenes as of late. (laughs) That's Uh, never good. Ursay's decision. Uh, That is never a good thing. Yeah, I'm seeing a quote from uh, from Frank Reich who says right now. The move is for Sam Ellinger to be the starter for the rest of the season. So this does not seem like a, a one week experiment. And then we reevaluate it. It seems like 
if, if as long as Sam Elger is not a complete disaster and he stays healthy, this is the team going forward. I, I guess I, I hard to fault him, but at the same time, I mean, a, a drastic move. I, I don't think we, I don't think we saw this playing out, uh, you know, this quickly. I, I, I don't think it's like shocking that that Indianapolis would give Eleanor Ellinger a chance, but to essentially come out and say, yeah, this is the guy for the rest of the year. I, I don't really see why that's necessary to tack on. Seems gratuitous. I, you know, as much as we have justifiably dunked on Matt Ryan, I don't see Ellinger as being okay. Well, this is good. If I'm a Michael Pittman guy, I'm really unhappy about this. Yeah, I, th- I think what Ellinger brings that Matt Ryan doesn't is just you know the ability to move. And I, I think yeah. if you're the Colts, you're probably just sick of seeing Matt Ryan just get hit and hit and hit. Um, yep. And this probably, unfortunately, this this kind of sends the fumble record out the window. Uh, so I know. I guess there's, there's that no say line. No sense of history here. Uh, hopefully on. they trade him somewhere where he could start and continue fumbling. But uh, yeah, I mean, Sam Ellinger is just like the complete opposite of Matt Ryan. So to me, this, you know, whether it's a rash move by your owner or just some sort of just you know, shake up that, that you want to see. I, I think at least you're not pivoting from Matt Ryan to Nick Foles, who's ultimately a fairly similar quarterback. Um, you know, we should see a very different looking Colts team. It might be worse in the short term. It might be worse for guys like Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman, but at, at least they're not just going to, you know, kind of keep running themselves into a, a brick wall every single week. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I think they, <laughs> they are might be doing it. They might a be different taking a brick different wall, path, but yeah, yeah they're, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I I actually kind of applaud teams for doing things like this. Like, I, I, I get you. Just see, like, yeah. What was the upside with Matt Ryan? Yeah, I get you. Um, they have to figure out a longer term solution at quarterback and keep. You know, I I still think in my mind of uh, the Chargers schedule reveal anime, uh, where they with with for their projecting their Colts game. They had a, a QB carousel with uh, Pat McAfee running the carousels, the operator, and showing Philip Rivers and showing Brissett and showing uh, uh, Carson Wentz. I, I, now that that's all I can think of right now. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's they're kind of like the Indi- the Indianapolis Colts are kind of like the Pacers, you know, square in the middle, not bad enough to tank, so they can't get a top three pick, so they can't get that you know their all time quarterback. You know, they, they had it in luck. I mean, they've had two, I can't, they've had Manning and luck. So they've had that before, but now they're kind of stuck in this middle zone where they can't get an elite quarterback for the future in the draft, but they yep. can't sign one. No one, no elite quarterback wants to manufacture their way to Indianapolis. So they're kind of stuck in this middle. They need to find their next Curtis painter is what this comes down to. Like who, <laughs> who's the guy that could pilot us to one in 16. Uh, in a path a great to name. Great throwback. I love it. Good stuff. Oh man. I do have other takeaways from uh, Kansas City, San Francisco. So let's get back to that real quick. Uh, The jet sweep. The Niners looked like they had never seen a jet sweep in their life. Um, They ran three touchdowns off that. Hardman had two of them. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire scored on a jet sweep as well. So it's like, that was amazing. The other thing is, how much did you fall prey to the Isaiah Pacheco's getting first team reps and will start craze? Uh, well, unfortunately, I dropped Pacheco in the leagues where I had him uh, early on. I, I kind of got frustrated, cut bait there. And, you know, he had been picked up uh, in most spots by the time that news came through. So I was I was in a bit of a panic that I didn't have him. And it turned out to not be all that big of a deal. And of, of course, it's Edward Solaire who gets the touchdown. And right, of Pacheco course, only carried eight times for 43 yards. It felt like his biggest imprint on this game came via a long kick return. I think that was yep. to begin the second half. But uh, interested to see what that means, you know, for the next few weeks, but it, it didn't really seem to pay many dividends in the short term. 
Yeah, eight for 43. Uh, he ran well. The Chiefs ran well. They just didn't run much. Yeah. Uh, he had more carries than Edwards Lair, but McKinnon isn't going away either. McKinnon had that big screen pass on one play to get him down in the red zone. Uh, yeah, it, you know, I did. I woke up early because I had an eight o'clock soccer game for my kid uh, yesterday morning. So I got up at like 530. And at that point in time, the rap report uh, reported came out. I, I don't understand how all the local beat writers said nothing. Zil, zip, nada about Pacheco yep. getting first team reps. How did it go? Just how did Rappaport be the only one that had this? When it's talking about practice reps, wasn't that observable? Maybe, maybe they did it when the the non media portion yeah. was present. But how did he get this scoop, and why did it come out overnight Saturday night? It was just so weird. It was strange. It was strange. It also doesn't seem like something that the team would like need to announce or leak. You know, like you said, it's a, it's an observation type of thing. Like I, I, right. I don't it, you know, strategically, the team's not going to come out and be like, you know what, Pacheco's the guy this week. And and yeah, I don't know if. Maybe they did a, a clever job of disguising that throughout the mm-hmm. week. And I mean, ultimately it was basically an even split. It was 19 to 17 in terms of snaps in favor of Pacheco. So there's a chance that maybe that report was a little exaggerated uh, as far as what we expected the split to be uh, in ter- of usage right. between those two. Yeah. Starter. Um, Pacheco didn't get any targets. They don't trust him in the passing game. They don't tra- trust him in pass pro. That part is pretty clear. He is a runner, which makes him one dimensional, which makes it when he's in the game, they're not going to be doing too many passes. They'll do some, obviously, to keep you honest, but uh, it is the Chiefs after all. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I think there will still be weeks where he's he's valuable, but uh, targeting when, when and where that's going to be is awfully tough. Uh, Chiefs are off next week, uh, and we already talked about the Niners. Let's talk a little bit about the Chargers and the Seahawks. I mean, kudos to the Seahawks because they were the better team all along. They jumped the, the Chargers 17-0 early in this game. And then, you know, Chargers got it to within uh, 17-14, and then the Seahawks took right back off again. Geno Smith is dealing, Nick. 20 for 27, two touchdowns. He had one pick. They didn't ask him to throw a lot, but once again, he is solid back there. I've been searching for the words to describe Geno Smith, and I I saw a tweet this morning that said, uh, Geno leads the league in holy F. I'm not going to say the word, but you know what I mean? Uh, throws this year. And yeah. I, that's exactly what it is. It's like he'll, he still has these mistakes every now and then, um, you know, was, was not perfect in this game by any means had an interception. I think that was called back. Uh, but uh, when he needs to place a ball, I mean, he's doing it so routinely that it's, it's, it's alarming, especially when you're yeah. seeing guys like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady kind of repeatedly fail at that. Uh, Russell Wilson in that, in that camp as well. I mean, the tight throws, the, the on-time throws, the, you know, you have one little window where your guy has just enough space to get two feet down type of throws. We, we saw one of those to Goodwin. Uh, I mean, he's just been dialed in. He, he's yeah. been fantastic. And, you know, other than that fumble, um, which was not really on Geno Smith, I think it was charged to him, uh, but it was really D Eskridge uh, who looked like it was his fault. Took the, took his eyes off the ball on a pitch play. Right. Other than that, I mean, it, it felt like that was when the momentum turned and all of a sudden it's 17, 14 and he felt like Seattle might blow that early lead, but a ton of credit to the Seahawks defense for stepping up. Uh, and then Geno Smith, you know, tacking on another touchdown before the half. And yet again, I mean, that defense, first four drives uh, for the San Diego. Wow. I do this every week for the LA Chargers in the second <laughs> half. Punt, punt, punt out on downs. And, yeah. you know, they did, they tacked on a touchdown late, but by that point, the game was basically over. Um, you know, props to the Seattle offense for bouncing back 37 points this week. But I really felt like this was a game where their defense uh, ended up winning it for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Herbert had the pick. Early yep. on, and that was a key play. 
Uh, they lost Mike Williams late. That they got the, the bye week. They barely used Keenan Allen. He was on the field, but two catches for 11 yards, two targets only. Uh, it was just, you know, it was Eckler just getting fed and fed. They weren't able to run the ball very well in this one, 15 for 53. And I think that, they, you know, they're lacking a little bit of balance. This is also a function of them not having their left tackle Slater for the season. Yep. Uh, they did get Corey Lindsley back. That helped a little bit, but still, Herbert was under a lot of pressure. You know, sacked three times, a lot of pressures otherwise. I think that was a big part of it there. Uh, and just kudos to Seattle. We'll see. Uh, the news on DK Metcalf was, uh, I, I saw a report saying that they got good. They phrased it as we got good news. Now, keep in mind, this is Pete Sunshine Carroll, where no news is, you know, almost unless the guy is out for the season, it's always good yeah. news, it seems like. So keep that in mind. But uh, he will not need surgery. Curtis That's a great Teller tendon some. Yeah, from what I've read this morning, it sounds like they're hoping that he doesn't need surgery, as in the the initial course of action is we're going to let this thing heal, and hopefully a few weeks from now, you know, he's back to the point where we can get him back out there. But I, reading between the lines, I felt like, you know, there's still a chance that if, you know, after a week or two, he's not making the progress that they're hoping that surgery could still be an option. So in the short term, a pretty big blow for Seattle. Um, yeah. I mean, Metcalf had been really, really good for them. Uh, but, you know, he has one catch for 12 yards in this game and you still put up 37 points. So I think you have to be pretty encouraged by someone like Marquise Goodwin stepping up. I mean, it was yeah. another solid day for like, you know, Will Disley, who just found his way four catches, 45 yards. Your guy. It seems like he, I mean, you're not excited about it, but like he's, he's finding ways to avoid giving you a complete zero. Yeah. Um, and it was another solid day for Lockett as well. And it's like, whenever it's like third and seven and you know, they need, they need a first down all of a sudden there's Colby Parkinson ripping off, you know, a 28 yard catch. Like they, they, they've had guys step up time and time again. And we've barely talked about Kenneth Walker, who just is a monster. Oh, I, I think, I think with Brees Hall going down, if you could bet Kenneth Walker for offensive rookie of the year, I, I like the direction that he's trending 23 for 168. I had another long one to essentially seal this game late. I mean, he looks, he is a tough, tough guy to bring down. He actually kind of reminds me of Damian Pierce in a lot of ways, but he's in a much better situation. Yeah. Which reminds me like what, I wonder what the odds are for that now uh, for offensive rookie of the year. But uh, at any rate, um, you know, we could, I, we could take a look at some live odds while we're looking at that. I'll let you, uh, I'm looking that up right now, trying to find it at least. Uh, we'll see, but uh, yeah, God, that, Sorry, a uh, little, little uh, I, I, I'm multitasking and not very well. So I'll, I'll keep on moving on on that one there. But uh, anywho, uh, one last game to review. Uh, Seahawks, by the way, they get a home game against the Giants next week and the Chargers are off and they desperately need that week off. Yes. Uh, Miami hosting uh, Pittsburgh. It was a tale of one, one first quarter and then a dreary following three quarters. Yeah, coming out of this game, like, your first quarter, you're like, Miami might win this game like 49 to three. I mean, they were rolling offensively. I was a little skeptical of how Tua would look, you know, if he was rusty at all. Uh, did not look rusty on the first drive, uh, even the second drive, which they, they ended up being held to a field goal. I mean, they were ripping off big plays left and right. Guys were wide open in the middle of the field. Um, but after that, it, it, it stalled very, very yeah. quickly. And, you know, Miami ends up punting on, or they either went out on downs or punted on six or seven straight drives in the second half did not score a single point in the second half really was never even close to scoring. Um, so it was, it was one of those stories where it, it kind of reminded me of that Denver chargers game uh, from a couple weeks ago where it's like, all right, is this going to be the drive where the, you know, one team could take control. And, you know, for a while there we, we traded like nine consecutive punts 
Uh, essentially, the entire third quarter into the early fourth quarter was just three and out punt by both teams back and forth. And I mean, Pittsburgh had so many chances to take control uh, of this game. The defense played really well in the second half, and they put together two double-digit play drives back-to-back at the end of this game, both of which ended in Kenny Pickett interceptions. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, he, he threw three total. He threw 44 times. I mean, it's pretty diminishing returns. Uh, and then you can see why, like, you know, his odds on offensive rookie of the year have taken a tumble. He is the leading quarterback, and he's 2,000. You know, he, he's at plus 2,000 here. So Kenneth Walker is the odds-on favorite now at 200. Uh, Damian Pierce is at 300, Olave at 900, Brian Robinson, Wandale Robinson is fifth on the board. And then there's a big group of players at 2000, Drake London, Pacheco, Pickens, Pickett, Garrett Wilson. Uh, it's just, it's telling. There are no quarterbacks really that are strong favorites this year. No, not surprising. Uh, I mean, Pickett feels like he's the only one who might even have a chance at yeah. this point, you know, with guys like Ritter and uh, you know, Malik Willis you know, being stuck behind. Uh, guys who are playing okay at this point. So yeah, it's normally, you know, you have a, a quarterback who just by virtue of starting like 16 or 17 games puts up enough numbers to win this award. But uh, yeah, like I said, with Brees Hall going down, uh, going to be really interesting the rest of the way. What did you make a picket in this game overall? I mean, finishes with three more picks, did have a touchdown, got to 257 yards. Um, you know, I thought he did a good job of, of kind of scrambling out a couple times, extending plays, yeah. but I, I, st- I don't know if I quite see it with him yet. Seven INTs already on the season. Only two touchdown passes. It's going to be a tough year. I mean, I, I you know, these Steelers got the win at home last week. Uh, not because of Pickett, but he didn't hurt them before he got hurt. Uh, in fact, but it was, t- but it was instead Trubisky that rallied him to the, you know, to get that last touchdown against the Bucks. I don't know. I mean, I, I, this might be Mike Tomlin's first losing year. It's starting to look that way. That's for sure. I mean, these are the type of games that you're used to Mike Tomlin finding a way to win. You know, yeah. you have this many chances. Um, like certainly last year, like as bad as Ben Roethlisberger was, like I feel like the Steelers score one time in the second half, you know, and, and yeah. find a way to win this game 17 to 16. But I mean, like they, they literally punted on five straight possessions and then threw two more picks. You know, th- those are your seven possessions in the second half. So that's life with the rookie quarterback. Uh, you know, they're at the Eagles next week. That's not yeah. going to be easy. After that, Saints, Bengals, Colts, Falcons, Ravens. Uh, they do play the Panthers late in the year. But other than that, you know, you get the Browns in week 18. That'll be a Deshaun Watson game. There's not really any obvious, you know, kind of gimme spots for the Steelers. And, and no. that's just kind of the story of the league this year. There's, there's very few gimmies on anybody's schedule. That's right. That's, that's 100% right. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, there and yeah, that. We'll be they they could be an interesting team at the trade deadline. Did they trade Claypool, for instance? There, I know his name has been bandied yeah. about. Uh, so that that's a possibility there. Uh, you know, he, Claypool wasn't as active as in previous weeks. Still five for forty-one. Deontay Johnson five for forty-two. You know what? It's the same theme here, though. They're not getting much downfield. I mean, Pickens got the touchdown. Uh, he's six for sixty-one. Had the thirty-yarder, but I mean, they don't have too many. You know, deep balls again, it's a lot of checkdowns. And I guess that that's kind of like you expect that, you know, especially if you're trying to get a rookie quarterback to stop chucking and into coverage. But, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what their solution is on such short notice to turn it around. Yeah, I mean, as it seems like most teams can do, like when you're in that, you know, that that late fourth quarter um, kind of scramble drill where you're just, you know, you're running up to the line. You got to go as quickly as possible. Like then, of course, you know, Pickett starts completing, you know, ripping off these longer passes, 
uh, to guys like Fryermuth, Pickens, Claypool. They were all involved uh, yeah. late in the game, but it was it was just too little, too late, and um, you know too much of kind of a, a panic situation for that offense that ultimately led to the two picks. Uh, yeah, very interested to see what they do though with Claypool specifically. I think if you're a team like oh I don't know the Green Bay Packers, I think you're glad that, to see Pittsburgh lose this game. You know maybe that nudges them ever so slightly in favor of, of potentially being a seller. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I don't think we'll have anybody suggest that the Packers uh, try to call the Bengals up for T. Higgins this week, though. So uh, <laughs> the Bengals are a bad team. They were yes. they are desperately looking to offload T. Higgins for nothing for a uh, year and a half down the road yeah. contract decision. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I don't think we'll see any of that. All right, let's rip through a couple of these questions before we sign off. Uh, Jackson says, after seeing a glimpse of CNC, would you trade Hill and Lenny for CMC and CD Lamb? Mm. I don't think I would. No, really? I think I would. I don't, I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would. I I, I kind of want to hang on to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, but I mean, you're getting C.D. Lamb. It's not like you're getting yeah. that big of a downgrade. You're, in fact, C.D. Lamb was often taken ahead of Hill in drafts. I know it. You know that's if you were redrafting today, Hill goes before yeah. Lamb. But I think they're close enough in value. I don't know. I think I might because I think Lenny might lose some carries eventually to Rashad White, whereas CMC is going to just add to his workload eventually. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's just my thing. Cameron says, waiver ability for running backs are super thin in my league. Any uh, recommendations on who to – oh, never mind. Uh, we'll move on from that one. It's too generic. Sorry, Cameron. You guys got you got to give a – oh, wait. I'm sorry. It's a two-parter, and this is the first part. Sorry, Cameron. Okay, current <laughs> current running backs, CMC, Saquon, Kareem Hunt, Hines, Madison, was stashing Elijah Mitchell. Since, since the CMC trade, I've got three handcuffs. Uh, who to cut? Cut Mitchell easily. Um, yeah. I think that he's an easy cut. I think they traded for CMC because Mitchell's nowhere close. Uh, you know, and I don't know who to try to pick up. I mean, I, I think Rashad White's available. You pick him up. James Cook. I think he, I throw a shekel at him uh, because I think his, you know, he'll get the typical rookie after the bye week bump. Um, and I think, you know, they, they by them scratching Zach Moss before uh, in their game against the Chiefs that showed where their future lies in that team. Yeah, I think you're on there. I mean, I, I I like the idea of just targeting, you know, running back at a productive offense, like you said with James Cook. There's a potential for him to improve as the year goes along. I mean, I, I'm still holding like a lot of Kenneth Gainwell all over the place. I don't know how available he is, but uh, just those offense where you know you'll you'll see two or three running backs get in the end zone in a given week. But I, I mean, you, you can't be disappointed with the current stable of of backs that you have right there. You know, if for you got, sure, you got CMC and Saquon. Um, yeah, you can't expect to to have like you know elite guys up and down the entire roster. And Hunt's useful for bye weeks as well, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'd, I mean, do much work. I would, I could cut Hines easily too if you needed the need the player there because, uh, mm-hmm. well, I probably actually I probably wouldn't cut Hines, but I'd keep M- Madison over Hines, Hines over Mitchell. That's how I'd rank the the, the cut status there. Uh, you know what? We've got a you know, we, we've got a great service called Ask an Expert on RotoWire, and we're not going to be able to rip through all these questions, especially these trade questions, but. We have folks stationed ready to answer your questions and ask an expert. And you can check it out yourself just by going to rotowire.com slash try. Strip away the paywall. It's no credit cards required. It's a free trial. Check us out. Uh, Hopefully you'll want to subscribe. Rotowire.com slash try. Get your credit card free trial there. We're going to sign off for today. Uh, Thanks for everybody for tuning in. As always, thanks to No House Advantage for their sponsorship of the podcast. We got Jake and Joe with you tomorrow to do free agents. So tune in for that. Have a great day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, 
They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.